Hello everyone, welcome to Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Hello. Scott is out here, joined as always by our usual co-host and good friend, Paul Brown. And LD. Yes, and Paul's lucky bottle of El Dorado. And my, my ever-present handy bottle of Iron Brew Extra. Yes. Can't go wrong with Iron Brew Extra. You didn't offer me any of Do you want some? Maybe later. Okay. Thank you. There, it's, see, I offered you some. It's, it's nice to be uh, nice to be offered at least. Some? No, I don't want any of your elder, but it's nice to at least to be offered, you know. Be a courteous host, it's always me that to make the trek to your I, home. I let you sit down, didn't I? <laughs> I let you sit down. What? How, oh, yes, I should be gracious. I wasn't doing it. You're welcome to, to my home. I let you sit down. What more do you want? <laughs> well, more than that. Do you want the sandwiches and tea, you prick? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like the option. Well, I I don't have either. Well then, what are you doing wasting my time? I don't know. Anywho, we were we went from good friends to just arguing so quickly there in the intro, didn't we? Yes. But Paul, we're here. It's been a while. I think actually the last show we did before we were officially under the Rogue Pines banner was an in your gaff. Yeah. So this is the first one that's part of uh, Rogue Pines in your gaff nine and okay, in your house nine international incident. incident. Uh, which, Paul, we're going to get to the show in a bit, but I'm going to throw this out there. You may disagree with me. Go or on. Not. But, in my personal opinion, the best one we've done so far. The best one we've done so far. This is my favourite one so far. I would... I won't disagree with you. I was kind of... Like, I have a few points, so it might be in your notes as well. I know you yeah. normally go to your notes, but I have a few points that I have, because I, I watched it late last night. It's fresh in the mind. Yeah. And there's a couple of little things that I think are like this is a particular in your house that I think are planting seeds for future things. You yeah, know? yeah. Which is very evident, and even from the first match. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even from the first match, there's seeds being planted for so many things. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. You can definitely get an indication of where the company's going to go for the rest of '96, and even in a sense, most of '97. Yeah, and where, and where certain teams or individuals are going to go from that point on as well. Mm-hmm. And it also very much sets up the uh, the main event of SummerSlam very well, even though that match is, has its own bit of controversy. Yeah, yeah. Where certain individuals yeah. acted. <laughs> oh, Sean. Oh, what oh, are you like? What are you like? You're throwing your wee, you're throwing your wee huffs, you pretty bitch. I think we've talked about it before, but that's just what I imagine whenever Vince had to give Sean Jarrell just ruffled his wee hair like, oh, you. <laughs> oh, he probably went backstage and then he'd done his usual Vince. Like, what the hell was that? And then I'm sorry, boss. <laughs> oh, I can't stay mad at you. <laughs> Go on, get out of here, yeah. Get out you of rascal, here, you yeah. rascal, yeah. <laughs> but before we, we get into that, Paul, uh, you... go on, go and hassle some of the new talent and make them feel shit. Go on. <laughs> Did that bad man pull your hair again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we jest, but he was a prick. Oh yeah, he was uh, such a prick. But well, speaking of hair. People won't see this, but it's nice to talk about. We both had haircuts. We did, yes, we did. Not at the same place at the same time. We didn't make a day of it. I believe I believe I got a hell of a lot more cut off when you did, though. Maybe you had more to get cut off. I, I think, did. Than not, I did. not sure. I just got it. I'm, I'm very 90s grunge at the moment. Short, short shoulder length, yeah, kind of. I mean, of. God's sake, I'm wearing flannel, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, like, you, you suit the long hair, though. I don't feel I do. Because uh, my hair does go at a weird like rate, so I like it having like as short as it is. Have you ever tried though? I don't like how it looks though, because the back here looks weird. If I try to do it, the way it goes down at the back, looks like I'm trying to bring the fucking mullet back, which do I don't want to do. Do you know? 
I'll tell you honestly, when I, when I was growing my hair, and my hair many, many moons ago was as short as yours, mm-hmm. my hair grew like a burst couch, <laughs> you know, until gravity took over. Mm-hmm. And then, ha! Score one for gravity. Well, gravity does work. I've seen it grow kind of outwards almost, except for the front where... If it grows a bit too long and I don't properly brush it, it just hangs over like some sort of weird emo barcode. Oh, God, you don't want to look like an emo. I like it hangs over my brother called used to call me barcode when it would hang over my face. Wait, it goes over like also it goes over my ears at the side as well, which I don't like. Ah. When I, if I let it go too long, which which, you know which what you during long ago <gasps> It's behind the ears and then it's fine. Oh yes, it's that simple. Like it I like really I got to that length some a couple of times during <laughs> lockdown. Uh, the initial lockdown and that when I couldn't go and get a haircut which I was which I probably didn't bother you with the way you do your hair but nah. you just let it grow but for someone like me it was a nightmare but you know that's, that's, that's our first world problems Paul you've got a new tape <laughs> I do have a new tape I got Judgment Day 2004 on cassette yes. for my collection I have and that. I might add I have just purchased a new magazine ah for my collection too, with Hulk Hogan on the front from 1993, King Ringo, no, <laughs> after Yokozuna beats his stupid old ass. I thought you were going to say Yokozuna was about to land on him as he was No, going, it was at the end of it when he's yeah. on his knees going, no, <laughs> I'm going to have to go to WCW and fuck them up now, no. So just the image you created made it seem like Hogan's down there and Yokozuna is the boulder from Indiana Jones coming towards him. No, he's, he's kind of like Calculon in Futurama, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Dramatic. Pause! <laughs> you even sound more like Jackson Headley from Fraser. <laughs> just looks over after the match. I died, Jimmy Hart. <laughs> the evil cameraman. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Maple Whippleman? <laughs> I, I come out, and all that remains is booze. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Judgment Day 4 is a very. Mid two thousand SmackDown is card when you really look at it, but I, I think it's a fun a fun watch go. But most of the matches I fondly remember because I've got this on DVD. I remember watching this on DVD. I mean, I did a show for you, Cesar, about the US title like best holders in the WWE version. Yeah, and for me, right at the top is John Cena as a US champion. Like two thousand four, they were using the US title for the brief period, like these to use the IC for Cena. Because he carries that for much of 2004. Who's he fighting on that? Dupree? Rene Dupree. He doesn't lose it to him. No, no. no nobody lost to Rene Dupree. <laughs> got a very rare pay-per-view appearance from Mordecai on this show. I well. know. That's partly why I got it too, because <laughs> I liked Mordecai. He was like a white undertaker. You know something, like, even though they're TV14, I don't think many of them, as you can see in the back here, were rated an 18, but you've got to think they're, it's rated 18... Because of the Eddie incident with the blade yeah, and everything. It's not, it's not rated 18 because Trish, oh my Christ, look at me, I can wrestle because I've got boobs, got her fucking jugs out or nothing. Well, she wouldn't have. She's not even, she wasn't even on SmackDown at this point. Thank God. <laughs> she wasn't even on SmackDown. But uh, that's a nitpick. But like, yeah, I think TVMA, the pay-per-view got rated in America at yeah. the time because of the amount of blood that will Eddie we, lost. Will, will we ever see the likes of a TVMA fucking pay-per-view in the WWE ever again? Well, it wasn't meant to be TVMA. It was meant well, to be TVMA. It was meant to be, but when Guerrero had to go and bleed. I was going to say, like, do you want someone else to potentially nearly die? Well, if it's entertaining. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. That's not sinister at all, is it? No. But, 
Well, talking about yeah, you know, tapes, you know, you don't get many. This is a very rare WWE tape that you've got. It is. I think, is. I think you got Judgment Day to which is the first WWE uh, uh, pay per view officially. You got this. You got Armageddon Survivor Series two, I believe. I have interestingly, I have the last WWF pay per view and the first mm-hmm. WWE pay per view as well. Yeah. So yeah, very rare like number of uh, WWE and like. Is there a reason? Is it just because of the Eddie match you wanted to see this? Scene? No, 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 no. Like I say, I think it's a good... I mean, like you say, it's an odd put-together pay-per-view. Yeah. The card is odd. Yeah. You know, I think it's a unique sort of tape for the time period, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, and plus the cover art is kick-ass. Yeah, you got the taker on the front. This was his first, like, proper pay-per-view match since his return at, yeah. at Mania. And, and his, he, big, his big fucking taker symbol and the flames and shit is cool. Yeah, it's, it's like the name Judgment Day and everything. Yeah. And, you know, like, they even hype it on the show, a, quote, rare appearance, because he wasn't showing him that much on TV. So I think the yeah. fact he was still a, an attraction since his return as the dead man. <sighs> the smell of a tape. <laughs> and look... Oh, you got some of the like the options on the inside. Jesus, you got an advert for "Here Comes the Pain" on the inside. Yes, as well. I do. I mean, what have you got? And it says like uh, VHS and DVD, and some of them are just DVD only. Yes, yes. Let's see, <coughs> let's see what, may, we, let's see what we got here. We got a uh, a Monday Night War uh, documentary. Got DVD. You got Armageddon. No three. You got a thing for Mick Foley's greatest hits and misses. It's just showing some of these. There are a couple of documentaries. One for Foley. One for Flair. Yeah. A couple of like last week WrestleMania. Like tag classics and a couple of rumbles here advertised as well, and then you got basically the most recent pay per views like your end of three pay per views like Summer SummerSlams or No Mercy, things like that. Um, I really like that one here, the Unforgiven with you, this big red and black picture of Kane on the front. Yeah, yeah. And scary. I don't, I don't have any of these ones, but individually, I have these tag classics on tape. Yeah. You know, because well, I'm better than that. Yeah, you, know? you, you don't have many tag classics. I think I have one tag classic DVD that I bought. I think it may have been from a CEX one time. It was the... Where did I put the videotape? Oh, it's right in front of you. Ah, because it's, it's sitting on its end. See, uh, I think the only tag class I've got, it's got the Rumble 2001 and 2002 on it. So the last two WOEF uh, Rumbles on that. Let me just put a picture of this and my collection on our Facebook page, just because. Why not? I mean, have you have we have we taken a photo? We took a photo of it back when it was in your room. I think we've taken an image of it since it's been moved. And no, I think we should take a photo of your an updated uh, image. Really we'll, should. One, we'll, do, we'll do it after this. Once I have once I have arranged it, because I yeah. need to find a place neatly in the collection for Judgment Day 04. Because that's what I was going to say. Because like a lot of your tapes that you put together were. Because you said you wanted to get the tapes back that you had younger, and then you said, "Oh, I did you get all of these of the nineties, like all the rumbles, the yeah. and things like that." It's like I say, you you get what you want, and then a co- if you start a collection, much like your Funko things, yeah, it just blossoms, <laughs> yeah, and it, it some some way grows out of control. Yeah, and like you didn't seem to have much issue. Uh, uh, so I guess it's easy for me to say I seem to have malfunctioned. Uh, ah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Your host has created the problem, and I must reboot. Uh, it's just my excuse. There you go, reboot. It's just me making an excuse so I don't have to edit this out. Oh, better yet. Reboot, Scott. Reboot. Oh, thank, you. thank you. But, uh, so like, you didn't seem to have much interest in collecting WWE tapes, so I'm interested as to where you'd find a place for that and if you'd ever, if you'd have any interest in buying any WWE branded tapes, I'm sure you'd have a cut-off period probably around the 2000s, maybe. I have a cut-off period of some I won't buy 
you know, like anything after 07 probably I wouldn't buy because that's when we started going really gain besides after 07. Well, after 06, we didn't do tapes. Yeah, there's a copy here when it goes, no, like, VHS. Uh, it's just basically DVDs for yeah, quite a while. Yeah, We don't do tapes after 07 because do you, know, do you know what the last commercially released videotape was? I do not, but I'd be interested to know. It was a movie called A History of Violence. Which was the last commercially released videotape. Video I believe that's... Who, who's it? Uh, I was going to say that's Tom Hanks, but no, I'm thinking of Road to Perdition. That's uh, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, I got confused with uh, Road to Perdition for some reason. Well, no, that was the very last commercially released VHS tape ever. Huh, unique. Yeah, I know that because I like VHS. <laughs> well, you know, it sounds like that. You, you, have, you have educated me, you've probably educated some people, yeah, so, you know, learning is fun. I, I found that out and I was like, huh. Mm. That's kind of a shit film. <laughs> what a sad thing that that was the last commercial release tape. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> I do not. I do not know. I will find out what the last commercial release wrestling tape was. Well, yeah, that's, that's something for the next show. That'd be something interesting to find out. Yeah. Mm. I. Uh, because learning is fun. It is, isn't it? And I, I am going to be a whole barrel of fun on this show because I have now have no tobacco left. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be just a bundle of optimism. But I, I have my medicine. This <laughs> is your medicine. Here it is. It's tonic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but wait, into the oh, wait. Oh. The name tonic wine does not imply any health giving or medicinal prop. Yes, it fucking does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've got a weird like number of like uh, DVDs are kind of all over the place. I think the last one I got is dated twenty ten, maybe. What was the DVD? It might have been the Night of Champions. Cause I, cause I had a thing that was only one of the few ones that I got like consistent ones. Like I got the first like oh seven, oh eight, oh nine, ten. Those are the first four Night of Champions. I've got them all on DVD. Will you tell me something by the way? Yes, I will. What was that damn pay per view where Bray won his first title? Elimination Chamber 2017. Thank you. Yeah. Because I need to get that for my collection. I think this is where I don't really collect DVDs anymore anyway because everything's on the network anyway. But when I do see DVDs that they're like, you'd, you'd think if you were buying DVDs, you'd hope you'd seen the shows because fucking nowadays your modern DVDs for like W pay-per-views tell, show you all the winners celebrating on the I back know, of the... I know, that's so fucking gay. I mean, what's, what... What if you haven't got the network or haven't got a TV, like a fucking like fancy TV or nothing? Yeah, yeah. Like the one of the worst examples I think is like the WrestleMania Thirty Two cover. Yeah. Where you've got the three top matches. You got Roman, uh, Roman Triple H. You got Taker Shane, and you got the women's Triple Threat, which obviously was the last appearance of the Divas, and they brought the women's in. But on the front of it, Charlotte's posing with the Divas belt. The back of the cover, she's holding the women's belt. So like, you've given that away, haven't yeah. you? I mean, look, look at last Judgment Day. Last tells you nothing. It, just, it tells you that uh, D1's going to put RVD's neck in a weird position, but other than that... And Eddie's going to pull the same smarmy face he pulled his whole career. Uh-huh. Rey Mysterio's going to look confused. Taker's going to do his weird eye roll in the back of his head, which and, I can do. And Booker T's going to go, Huzzah! Because <laughs> that's what he's doing. Huzzah! I am Booker T. I believe that was on the cover in 4 catchphrase. Now, can you dig that? Huzzah! Taker's going to have his nose set on fire. <laughs> With his own big symbol. Apparently so. But But no, the reason like you said, more in depth, the reason I got this two reasons I got this tape. Yeah. 
was to see Eddie still win after bleeding like a bitch, like fuck, yeah. and to see Mordecai because <laughs> I liked Mordecai, you know? It doesn't say it on the tape, this is, like, Taker's still managed by Paul Bear at this point, as he pairs, like, rare comeback, but yeah. it doesn't even say Taker with Paul Bear on the cover. No, it just says Taker. Yeah. And it, this is the time period, not JBL, this is the time period of John Bradshaw Layfield, mm-hmm. you know, texting with a bitch in clotheslines. <laughs> yeah. Because say what you will, if you never liked his, you know, his, his cabinet character, you know, his <laughs> big oil baron character he yeah. had. Say what the fuck you will, the guy could still take the skull off of that fucking clothesline. I'm pretty sure, like, uh, some comparisons that apparently been made that there were influences for his character supposedly were both, weirdly, George Bush, who was president at the time, like, yeah. and uh, I think that's part of the do the cowboy hat, and also JR from the TV show Dallas. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Who I didn't realise until I was much older. He, he got shot in the show, and that was the inspiration. That was what they were taking the piss out of and Who Shot Mr. Burns. I didn't know that because I was a boy when I when I watched Who Shot Mr. Burns. Yeah. I'd never heard of Dallas. And it's only when you're older you realise just how much pop culture really stuff they spoof on The Simpsons. It's amazing what you say, JR, because immediately I thought JR for the wrestling. Like, yeah. what's he going to do? Close line for hell and then go, Oh, by God, I've killed him! <laughs> He's dead! This God is my witness! <laughs> you're like, calm down, man. Keep on with the match. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's... But- Maybe that's Elimination hard. Chamber 2017. Yes, right. 17. The next time I have money, I'll need to go onto my favourite shopping website, eBay, mm-hmm. and purchase that for my collection. Because that's got not a bad card for the team. This is when Smadden was still good. I don't care about the card, I'm I just st- care about Bray. But I'm like, the card like, I think it was still good. This is like before post WrestleMania when they put the belt on gender and everything went to shit for SmackDown. This was still good. Hey, you leave gender out of it, man. He was okay. You had Harper versus Orton on this card, which I think was actually pretty good. One of the only real like proper singles matches that Luke Harper got that and his match with uh, Dolph Ziggler TLC 2014, the ladder match. Yeah. Those are his two real key things. Not the only singles matches he had, but they were his two real, his, his two best ones, I think. Do you know what I loved about Harper in that brief time period when he had the IC belt? Mm. You know they just used to drag it to the ring yeah. room and he'd be like, you know, and you're like, get a man. Because I think that's what he would do. He's like, he's mental. You don't question why how he'd carry his, carry his yeah, belt. Yeah, no. Mm. But no, he- fond memories of Luke Harper, man. Yeah. I know, I'll need to look back because I never did take any time to see the brief tenure he had in the dub. Oh, they did a thing where like the faction he, was, he used to man, it used to be a part the of the Dark, Dark Order. Order. They were kind of falling apart and then they were, did a show a few weeks ago in his hometown of uh, Rochester. Mm. Which, uh, oh, the week he debuted in AW was the first show as part of the, uh, the pandemic. And they were apparently meant to originally, that show was meant to be in his hometown when he debuted, which he never got. But they, but they did a show in Rochester where his son and, he, and his wife basically are the ones to bring the Dark Order back together, mm. which was nice. And then they've also announced that the John Huber, which is real name Foundation, they're starting up. Which that's, is, that's really solid, that. I think it's like helping people kind of get like back into like, workers and that, because like, he at one point was close to kind of just giving up on wrestling and getting a regular job to help support his wife and everything yeah. before he got signed to WWE. No, for what I hear of the man, he was a, a lovely, lovely mm-hmm. character. Really, yeah, yeah. really good man. So it's sad that he passed, but it's good that he's remembered, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's good that he's remembered. Mm-hmm. And with, with, like, Braun and mm-hmm. Bray potentially being signed to other companies, let's not dive, dive too much into who they might sign with. Yeah. 
but they're very glad that we're going, and I'm sure Big Eric Rowan will get somewhere too because he's too he's too good naughty. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we always we always talk about Braun Strowman yeah. and Bray Wyatt, but we never really gave much props to Eric Rowan. Yeah, I mean, they did, I remember the final show of 2020 for AEW was a joint was a Brody Lee tribute show. Yeah, and uh, it was a very like emotional show. Watching Rowan does make an appearance on that show. Yeah, but he's not really popped up really anywhere like major. And wrestling since then. Do you know what he's been up to since then? Any any mm-hmm. idea? No. Not really, no. No. I'm sure he'll come good, Law. I'm sure yeah. he'll come good. But anyway, we have we have yeah. we have rambled quite a touch. But like I was to- I think the reason I was really talking about the take is also I wanted to mention your take because we mentioned your collection, but I also oh, yeah, wanted yeah. to tie that into the fact that you probably won't be able to watch that tape for Not a while. No because yet. Uh, you're having still a mess with your video player, which meant you had to watch the same as me when we watched the show. You had to borrow my network to watch the network version of the show. I thank you so much for that. I really yeah. do. I ha- I hate that like, I've seen it mm-hmm. as I've seen it because there's so many issues with the network. And I don't know if you uh, find it yourself. It was just because I'm watching it on a laptop, you know. Yeah. But it's so jittery. Yeah, it can be at you times. Know, like you, you, it just kind of stops and starts at times. Like the audio keeps going, but it'll uh, just. Yeah, stop I, I tend to watch it on like the. the you can download it also for your console, like your PS4, which is how I tend to watch it. Yeah. So uh, I tend not to watch it on my laptop uh, as much anymore, unless I really like have to. Yeah. <laughs> but like other than that, and also the re- the obvious issue that I've been complaining about for a long time uh, about the not them dubbing over "Don't Go Missing with Country Boy." Yeah. Other I'm than that, true. was there any real differences for you watching the show other not, than those two? Well, not really. I mean, I think it, if I remember rightly, watching it on my tape. Mm-hmm. On my tape, you see the free for all. You don't. Yeah, yeah. On the tape, you see the free for all. You no, know, you see, you see Shawn Michaels doing a fantastic baseball slide. <laughs> it's so it's so intense a baseball slide. I thought he was going to slide in and slide out the other side of the ring. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he slides in and he he, he looks really good. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to be specific, but yeah, sure. It looks fantastic. <laughs> you know. Drill, <laughs> I will say, he looks fantabulous. Yeah, and Sid just looks fucking Sid. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, Sid. and Ahmed looks like a big muscular diddy like he always looked. So, let's just get into the show itself. Uh, I have some info about the last in your house we did that I didn't know about until after we the episode was uploaded. Uh, also, the I mentioned to. You had the three main matches that were in the middle of the card that got re- redone, but originally they were done in the dark. Yeah. Also, I mentioned uh, this one of those is Yokozuna versus Vader. Yeah. Well, obviously that was longer in the dark version, but apparently in the dark version, Yokozuna actually won that ver- that one. Yeah. I, I don't know if that was always the plan or it's because nobody would see it. They said, you know, fuck it, let's let Yokozuna win, we'll redo it. Oh, just let Fatty win one. They actually, like... I think from what I find out of the the outcome of all three matches, that's the only one that differs from the version we actually see. Yeah. Is the Yokozuna. The other ones go the same way, except obviously Savio beats Austin, but then the simulation but DBS is added later because of it's a rematch. Yeah. Uh, and apparently uh, Foley was meant to interfere in the dark version as he does in the the replay version, but because obviously it was dark. Uh, and Foley had said that at first he thought he'd knocked something loose under the ring and that's why the lights win it. <laughs> but he was under there and also... Was he was like, oh fuck, what did I do? Also they were scrambling to find so And so basically what they did, they, they brought a bunch of heels out from the back. Yeah. Circling, you know, 
my Rumble '94 still they held by Goldust win, and mm, that's how they screw, shit. and that's how they screwed over uh, Taker in the Cassia match. But uh, apparently, Bruce Pritchard was going back and forth between the grill position and to Vince to uh, to like sort everything out. And apparently, Vince was like weirdly calmer than you thought you think he would be, yeah. like during the whole thing, and just. Apparently, on one of his trips back, uh, Pritchard realised, oh yeah, and sticks his head under the ring, basically said to Foley, yeah, you're going to have to stay under there till the show's done, where your plans have changed. <laughs> I think all the lights have gone out. Jeez. So Foley actually went under before the fans actually like got let in, so he's under there for then, and then basically until they all leave, so he's so under he's there for... stuck there for hours? Hours, basically, yeah. Do you have a Game Boy or something? <laughs> God knows what he had under there. I mean, Big, I mean, Big Show said... Uh, when he did his thing at St. Valentine's Day Massacre, he was also there before the fans came because he had to be in the main event. They gave him a wee portable telly, a wee thing to go to the toilet and everything. I doubt Foley was actually given the same luxuries though. I just imagine him sitting under there with a Game Boy playing Kirby or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Orange talked about the amount of times he had to always go under the ring because that's where he'd pop up. He said, honestly, there'd be times where I fell asleep under there. I was there so long and missed my spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck up. I was walking a lot the other day, so yeah. my legs are in pain. My legs are always in pain. <laughs> That's what makes me such a cheerful character. <laughs> and uh, also, you'll know that I, you'll know that also that I said there was a random like some dark matches that were like in the middle of the show. Yeah, or they were as I kind of suspect suspect on the show that we talked about it on that they were basically very by time. Yeah. And uh, there was one match that was Jake Roberts v Justin Hawk Bradshaw. It was meant that went like thirty odd seconds, and apparently the reason was as soon as literally the bell rang, power came back on in the building, Ugh. and like the the pay per view was about to come back on. So basically, got the order to like get the fuck out of the ring when you get back on with the main event gone. Yes. So basically, went home like immediately, <laughs> and then they carried on with Shawn Michaels v Bulldog, which was fucking boring. Oh yes, it was. As we talked about, and we did we talk? I can't believe oh, we talked about that. So. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't again mean to pick poke uh, at Bulldog, but you know, you know, it's not he's 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 a multiple time offender for this. He's been in a few main events that have been shit. There've Only- been enough times when you've had to go and look at Bulldog and go, "Come on, take fuck, man." I know, and you know, the common denominator in a lot of these is Brett. If it's got Brett in it, he's good. If it's not got Brett in it, he's not so good. Yeah, and you thought he'd be almost as good as when he was with Brett when he was with Sean, but clearly Sean couldn't be bothered after everything that had happened. Well. Sean was only good at working with people he liked. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he liked Brett or Bulldog or anyone that was associated with the Hart family. Uh-huh. He was not fond of them. Yeah. Uh, so, say going into this show, the main uh, story around it is the substitution of the main event, which but I think I'll save that till when we actually get to the yeah, main event. Yeah, let's save that for that. The main event. But I should mention, this is the first pay-per-view after uh, Bash of the Beach 96. That mm-hmm. we talked about it before. You can find that in our back catalogue. Uh, so it's two weeks after Battle Beach. So this is the first pay per view in the era of the New World Order. Yeah, this is the, the post New World Order pay per view for the WWF. So they're dealing with, because at this point, WCW have introduced the New World Order, and that was big fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan for the first time in his storied career. Well, well, not the first time, but for the first time in many moons, uh, turning heel again. Yeah, I don't think he was on. TV, WF on TV was as wide ranging as when he was when he was first heel. So for many people, you could be forgiven for thinking he'd never turned heel. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they made sure to 
make you think that as well. Like, yes, this is the story. He's never been a bad guy. Yeah, but let's be honest. We remember the blue trunks. We remember classy Freddie Blassie. Mm-hmm. He was a heel. He was very much basically, from what I was, the short bit of clips I've seen of him as the original heel with Freddie Blassie, he basically is his character from Rocky Three. Yeah, he just That's plays Thunderlips. He basically Thunderlips. Or plays himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hogan, Terry, Thunderlips, all one and the same, to be honest yeah. with you. All cunts. It's all cunts. Hogan, Jerry, Thunderlips, all bastards. <laughs> but this went down July 21st, 1996. It took place in Vancouver, British Columbia, so it's also in Canada. The second time they went to Canada for uh, In Your House, the last one was uh, Great White North. This, this show, just before we get into it, significantly better than the last time they were in Canada. <laughs> Also, yeah, so it's called International Incident. It takes place in the General Motors place, which is now known as the Rogers Arena. Now known as, is it a better arena now? Well, I think it's a better name, arena. 14,804 people in attendance. How big was the venue? Uh, usually it can be used for like, things like ice hockey, obviously. It holds, the maximum capacity varies depending on what they what events happening, but okay. from what I can gather, between eighteen to 19,000. So they weren't horribly under... under, yeah. under. From what I can see, maybe you see a few dark spots on the very, very top levels. But for the most part... For, for the most part, yeah. They were good. When I say it looked very full. 90,000 uh, pay-per-view buys, which that, from what I can find is the lowest in your house of 96. Was it better so than far. the last one? Uh, no, this is, wow. again, the lowest one of 96 so far. Uh, I got to think. You got to think. I can. It's going to be a combined kind of thing. Yeah. For we were a dog, and it was over two days, so the numbers may be a bit skewed. But yeah. But I made sure I checked before we recorded. It's not not the lowest in your house of all time, <laughs> or so far. I think the lowest one so far was uh, the final one of '95, uh, seasons beating the one with Brett and Bulldog in the main event. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, which, a good match, but you know that was I think it was a Christmas and also it was a bad year. So yeah, it was. That's the lowest one so far, and I'd have to do a bit more research, but I'm sure that one might actually end up being the lowest bot ever in the In Your House. Season's beaten one? Yeah, that might be the lowest one they ever did. Wow. So, like, it's the lowest one of 96 so far, but not, and only the second lowest, like, so far. Mm. Uh, the tagline, I think they just gave up the tagline. I'm going to read this in my Vince McMahon voice because this sounds like just something Vince would say on FZRA. Is this, is this like Vince reads this out and then goes, yeah, that's good shit. <laughs> that's good shit. That's good shit. Two hours of hard-hitting, high-fly, heart-stopping, pile-driving action. That's good shit. That's good shit, pal. <laughs> I just sounds like someone he'd do in a voiceover to promote like an upcoming episode of Raw or an upcoming like, VHS DVD or something like that. I've got to cut a promo. Pass me my gravel. <laughs> but yeah, they just like that just makes that just a bunch of words crammed together. That is not, it's not a tagline. Uh, no dark matches that I can find like nope. widely available like, before the show or after the show. You got a free throw match, which is Justin Hot Bradshaw defeating uh, Savio Vega. Yep, that's on my tape, mm-hmm. not on the network. Yeah, I don't think it was a very, very long match anyway. They, it really, wasn't. they really were on the free throw. Justin Hot Bradshaw kicked his ass. And, you know, I like to sometimes make a joke about, you know, the over-the-top kind of uh, intros yeah. that it usually has and the, the whole, in your house, and the, like, the graphics and everything. And, like, I, mean, I like the people fun, but I like the song and everything, and they are a bit of fun. <laughs> Missed that on the show. There weren't there was none of that to be found. No, we get right into the action. No, immediately starts with a uh, replay from the free throw, which was a segment between Jose Lothario and Jim Cornette, yeah, and then yeah. shows Vader coming out the, after uh, Lothario's Shoves Cornette on his arms. And then all of a sudden, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, 
It's Shawn Michaels and his cute ass. He just slides and like I said, halfway through in the ring. It shows a bit of roll and then just immediately goes, and now, WWF, in your house. And international yeah, incident and all I that. Thought, I thought he was going to slide into the announcer's table with fucking speedy went. I know. Because he, he came out like a bullet. He was like, what on? He's like, I've got you, Jose. Oh, fuck, fuck, I'm sliding out. <laughs> this is a more successful version of the tightest world slide from the British <laughs> Rumble. I can't even think of that without Snickers. <laughs> Poor Titus. I know. I mean, he was a big daddy, but... <laughs> Poor Titus. He was a big daddy. <laughs> he was a big daddy, but... <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Fucking Titus. So I, I put my notes, low-key intro, which I think is an understatement for this. Uh, we got a three-man commentary booth this time, where we got JR, Vince and the King... On commentary. Which was not rare in that time period. Yeah. Well, rare. well, we got it before on these In Your House. I think In Your House 3, I can remember getting it. I can't remember if we got it on any of the other ones yet, but I don't remember getting it anywhere in 96, because from what we covered in 96, it's yeah. mainly been McMahon and, uh, McMahon and uh, Jerry. But we did get JR as part of the the, re- the retake of some of the In Your House Everywhere dog matches alongside we did. Mr. Perfect. But we are thinking we're going to see more of JR as 96 goes on and yeah, becomes more regular. I think 96, 97 was when they started to realise that JR and the King were like, yeah. we don't need you, Vince, fuck off and let us do it, you know? Yeah, by like mid 97, it's just JR and the King, and uh, I think it would even stick to the three man commentary booth for, uh, for Raw for a period of time as well. Yeah, yeah. But like I say, like Vince, it was like you say, for the, the most, for the longest time, it was. GR, the King, and Vince. Uh-huh. And we got that a few times, even in 97, we got that, like, 97 Rumble. Yeah. GR, King, and Vince. You know, WrestleMania 12, mm-hmm. GR, King, and Vince. Mm-hmm. No, was it 12? No, it was 13. 13. Yeah, yeah, 13. We got that. But, like you say, around about that time period, it was GR and King, GR and King, and then yeah. all, like, right, last money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, the opening match... Uh, a non-title match, which I remember being confused about at first when I saw this. The Body Donners taking on the Smoking Guns. Smoking Guns being the tag team champions. Uh, managed now by the Body Donners former manager, Sonny. Yeah, would you mind if I stepped in on this one? Because I, this is one of the ones I had a few points on. Go ahead. Well, this comes in, right? And this was during the same period where I thought it was kind of... I thought it was odd, right? Uh-huh. Because you'd had the Smoking Guns as a... Biggest baby faces for like ever. Yeah. Right. From their days of mullets and mustaches up until <laughs> mullets like. And mustaches. Well, come on. You remember when we used to come to the ring with their little pop guns and what, like, put you on, look at us, we're really smoking guns. Well, our debut on Remember Vines, we had uh, King of the Ring 93, that was their first pay per view, but it took to me, buddy, uh, uh, just after Royal Rumble 95 to finally win tag titles, and now they're on what, yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. year would be their third reign as tag champs. Yep. They won, won three tag titles in very quick succession. Mm-hmm. But they come to the ring, right? And I'll be honest with you, I never really bought the heel mm-hmm. guns yeah. because Bart Gunn, right? Yeah. Solid worker. Mm-hmm. Kind of wooden character-wise. Kind of, yeah. Kind of wooden character-wise. Like, see if we have just portrayed them... Just a solid, you know, um, solid cowboy worker. Yeah. You know, like, like I do my shit. Uh-huh. You know what we used to portray Steve Blackman and shit like that? Like, no nonsense, come mm-hmm. in, do your biz, mm-hmm. out. 
if we had a Puston like that, he could have easily went on to be like an IC champ level, a solid mid-carder. Yeah. But, you know, let's be perfectly honest, Billy Gunn mm-hmm. had all the personality in that team. Oh, yeah. All you, the personality in that you, team. You see it in this match, like he's so much better as a heel and he would expand on that when he was a part of the Outlaws. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, when there were faces... Bart yeah. was a good face. <laughs> yeah. Bart was a really good face because he was good at going, we're the smoking guns and, and we're going to win. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> shit, like that. I know that was Cactus Jack and shit or whatever. No, but... you've seen their guns. They're more, it's more pew, pew. That's pew, what, pew. WF and then he doesn't have a budget for bang, bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, pew, pew. <laughs> but, you know, Bart gun, fucking solidly built, great in ring. I thought he was good in ring. Yeah. You know, but this whole match, right, is just, I find the match silly at times because the body donors, mm-hmm. in particular, what one was Chris Candido? Uh, was he Skip, Skip or Zip? Skip. Zip is, Zip is uh, Tom Pritchard. Tom Pritchard, right, who is one of the heavenly bodies as well. <laughs> yes. But anywho, even Tom Pritchard mm-hmm. was good in this match. You know, I thought the body donors were a solid team. Yeah. We were we had good chemistry. Mm-hmm. You know? And mind I was saying to you before we got going about seeds being planted. Yeah. Well, this whole match, right? This whole match was the body donors doing solid offense. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever they get in the ring, the guns doing the solid heel stuff like isolating uh skip. Yeah. Isolating Skip quite a lot during that match, you know, like like getting them in the corner, tagging them a few mm-hmm. times, you know, like whenever we got free, mm-hmm. Sonny would do some silly shit or Billy would do some silly shit. Yeah. And it seemed to me like throughout the whole match, regardless of how well the guns were doing or mm-hmm. Skip and Zip were doing, mm-hmm. Billy and Sonny were a major detriment to Bart because yeah. Bart was solidly trying to... Like, Bart was kicking ass. Yeah, because I think that would be the story of the, the end of the Smung Guns. Oh, you see, that's why I was talking about yeah. seeds being planted, you know? Yeah, I think more so, like, because Billy is also, I think he gets kissed by Sonny, which is Rex Finish, which helps the Smung Guns win the tag titles in the first place. I think he lets us go, he said that Sonny actually likes him. Yeah. And he thinks he's, you know, Billy Big Bollocks, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, which was which was I'm sure was on the writing floor before Mister Ass. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the finish of this match was just evident a lot because yeah. I mean we get it and the guns have been doing good all through it mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the body donors get a wee bit of momentum and Bart's got right. uh, Bart's got skip up for the sidewinder. I believe it's actually Zip. He's got uh, the skips the one that comes off the top. All right, well he's got Zip up for the sidewinder <laughs> and he's uh, moving around. He's like, "Where the fuck is Billy?" Mm-hmm. And as he's turning. Boom, drop yeah. kick, roll over, mm-hmm. pin one, two, three, mm-hmm. and the guns lose. You know what I mean? But the most competent team in that match were the Body Donners. Yeah. You know what I mean? They had some, like, I think like, that was the, fluidity. I think it's the, the issue with Body Donners in that they were technically sound, but their gimmick relied was, a lot on Sunny. And on their own, you can clearly tell they're hey, not. Hey, what was wrong with Cloudy? I was going to say, they mentioned Cloudy. I had no idea they were Cloudy until I watched the uh, that series Reliving the War on YouTube where apparently they got real letters they put out right in and said, why you should manage to smoke the body donors. They got real letters that they showed on Raw as well. Yeah. 
<laughs> but no, do you have any? Who the fuck was Cloudy? I tried to find the reason, and every time, every source I went to, there was, always, there was often a different spelling. Some places had it spelled with a K, some people had it ending in an I, but start with a C. Like, nobody can can remember how the fuck Cloudy's name was spelled, but yeah, it was basically just a big, muscular looking woman. Uh, it was a dude. Was it a dude? Or, it was a dude in a wig. I, I thought it was a dude in a wig, but I didn't want to listen. No, it was a dude in a wig. Well, clearly a dude in a wig, but like, I don't know who this was. They got She debuted at uh, King of the Ring and was gone by this pay-per-view. And King yeah. of the Ring was a month ago, so uh, so they went out, they put out for a manager, and they say in their pre-match interview that looking for a manager has taught them that they don't need a manager. Yeah. Looking for a manager is tired. We don't need a manager. Cloudy's fine. And, and Zip's the one that speaks, uh, Tom Bridget. And then Vizzo uh, is okay. I think he goes to start, like, getting back. And then Skip starts doing his bit of the poem, which clearly Vince forgot about. And Vince, you can clearly tell, wants Skip to shut the fuck up <laughs> so they can cut back to the ring. And even though they won, uh, the body donors aren't long for the WF, I don't no, think, because... No. Uh, Skip would uh, go back to ECW as uh, no gimmicks needed. Chris Candino as part of the triple threat with uh, Shane Douglas and Bam Bam. Yep. And Tom Pritchard would kind of be a behind the scenes guy. He would be a trainer. He, like, he helped train Kurt Angle for, for to turn. He helped train The Rock, get The Rock ready for TV. Yep. And a lot, a lot of people, like, I'd be here all day talking about people like Tom Pritchard. I think he's still helping to train people today. Well, he's, he's a very, school. very competent dude, is Tom Pritchard. Yeah, he's got his own skill and everything, but... So, uh, main reason that Sonny Lauta she wants to be with whoever's the tie chance the, uh, the Godwin somehow beat the boy at a house show so she's like oh, fuck, I'll stick with these guys until I can jump jump to somebody better ah smoking guns are fighting them I'll jump I'll hitch my wagon to the smoking guns basically is that she wants to basically manage whoever is the champions and oh, I think Billy wanted to hitch his wagon to her but <laughs> I said about that the better I think it's revealed that the reason that there is a no, there is no title on the line is that the following night on Raw uh, they're going to defend the tag team tails against Ahmed and Sean mm, because the yeah. on the Raw, I believe it might have been, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Bart challenged Ahmed and Billy challenged Sean for the WWF title. Like, for the, for the singles titles, they won and now the guys by person are going to get a tag team title shot. Yeah, I have not seen that particular match yet. Well, I have a thing about that match, but oh, I'll wait good. till the main event to oh, tell good, you about good. it. I look forward to hearing that one. Good, good for you. But uh, I'd imagine that'd be a good match, with the exception of Ahmed. And uh, like three, three of the four are solid, and then there's well, Ahmed. Three of the four are so competent that Ahmed's shittiness doesn't matter, <laughs> or anything. It stands out more. Yeah, <laughs> more so. Billy should just punch him in the face. But it does start really hot for the body dons. Like, and even though they're solid workers, I never really maybe I've not seen enough of the body dons to properly you can, you rate can't them. Deny they were solid workers. Yeah, though. I didn't they're properly good. like form much of an opinion about them because I hadn't seen enough like well, of there, them. There wasn't really a lot to see. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they start working over bar, you know, solid tidy Like they're working over the arm of of bar. Yeah, and they like they do a thing where like he's got hold of the like Sip's got hold of his arm and Bart tries to slam, but does the roll through and yeah. keeps hold of the arm. You you see likes of a Bret Hart doing a move like that. I often thought that was something mm-hmm. Bart was good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they do a thing where like you get skip gets gets a right hand and he sends like Billy off the ropes and then Billy does a really good counter where he hits the what would go on to become the famouser but yeah. they didn't have a move he called it the rocker dropper then because yeah, he didn't have a name at the time so yeah. as far as Vince is going to do he goes oh hell of a manoeuvre what a manoeuvre no, I think it's GR. Like the minute he drops it, GR's like, ah, oh, rocket droppers. <laughs> and then there's a random one where Sandy goes, oh my, and just faints to distract Skip. I know what the fuck was with that shit. She was there, and she, the fall wasn't even convinced. She dropped down off with 
the fucking apron and then went, oh, I think it caused, it, it causes uh, Skip to come around because uh, originally it was him being married by Sunny before Zip yeah. the team and uh, I don't know if it was meant to kind of hint at the real life relationship between Candido and Sunny, which I don't think was ever properly acknowledged on screen. But uh, he goes right. He's the one to go and check on her, even though Sip tries to tell him not to. And yeah. then he gets caught with a double clothesline uh, by the the, the smoking guns. Billy goes up with right next to Sunny. They're all posed up in the camera while Bart so, continues to beat up. Yeah, Skip's Bart again. continues to do the work. Yeah, basically, yeah. See, that was the problem. Like Billy and Sunny were just acting like fuck nuggets, and Bart was like, mm-hmm. Bart was the Charlie Haas of that team. <laughs> you know, he was like, let's do this shit. <laughs> Uh, so and then they basically the rest of it is them basically double teaming uh, Skip uh, he does get a brief moment where he cross bodies Bart and then he rolls up back to his feet and immediately Bart just clotheslines him and yeah, then both that's him cut a off vicious looking clothesline because mm-hmm. you got to admit Bart was pretty solidly built yeah uh, also, I didn't do much good when he came up against Butterbean, but they uh, they do announce midway through this match that uh, Jake Roberts won't be able to have his <laughs> scheduled match with Mankind uh, I don't think it's actually explained like if the reason that they give like like JR and King say that it's a uh, rib injuries. Aye, rib injuries. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but they never. I don't think I've seen anywhere. Maybe I could. It fell on his bottle. Maybe I could. Uh, I could check somewhere if it, if it was actual like he missed his flight or if there was to do with his you know his personal issues. Yeah. And uh, you know he's rusting in his home and. I'll say Tennessee or wherever yeah. it was. But Stone Mountain, Georgia. Stone Mountain, Georgia, thank you. You're welcome. And Gerald uh, Lollacree, the goes, since when is the Betty Four Clinic in uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia? <laughs> For those unaware, I believe Betty Four is in LA. It's a very well-known rehab clinic. Yeah, that's that's where all the celebrity alcoholics go to have fun. Yes. And get told not to be alcoholics. Mm-hmm. So they, they go there and the nurse is like, oh, you... You and your bad habits. I was like, oh, is this Jake Roberts done already? But no, I think he would actually finish around Survivor Series. He's actually, he does have a match with Jerry Lawler at SummerSlam. Yeah, is so, that that one where JR, when Jerry Lawler comes to the ring with the snake bag full of Jim Bean bottles or something? I think so, yeah. And he walks around the ring, ring dragging like, ah. Is this, no, is, it, is it this match or is it a different match where Jake pretends to be drunk? No, that match, though, if it's the right match I'm thinking about, is the introduction of Mark Henry. Huh. Because Mark Henry comes to his aid, yeah, yeah, and smacks the king in the jaw. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. So they talk about that a little bit, and then uh, I've Bi- seen that on my tapes. Hmm. Billy comes off the top and uh, gets caught with an atomic drop right on his right on his little smoking guns. Right, right, right on his atomic balls. <laughs> uh, Zip comes in, he runs wild, uh, and then immediately which thing gets tripped up on the outside he by Billy. Runs wild, does yes. he? Yes. Does he hulk up too? Yes. He zips up. <laughs> he zips up. <laughs> uh, one of the smoking guns, I can't remember, when, like, grabs his leg on the outside, uh, tripping him up. Uh, Stop. They cut him off. No one can ever remember which one. Well, they've got different hair, so I should be able to tell which one, but I couldn't remember. I didn't note it down. Uh, then, like I said, Bart sets up for the, the sidewinder, uh, but... I think yeah, Sonny got knocked off the apron or someone got no, knocked off Sonny, Sonny and Billy are outside the ring uh-huh. conflabbing with each yeah. other and not paying any attention to what the fuck's going on in the ring so Bart has him up for the sidewinder the ref's looking at, at Sonny and Billy at yeah like well. the ref who's Harvey Whippleman if I remember rightly yeah 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 but 
So Lareth is looking at Sonny and Billy acting <laughs> stupid, and Bart's kind of like, what the fuck, where is, yeah. where is the other one? And <laughs> Where's the other one? And then as he's turning around, fucking uh, Candido, is yeah. it? Candido yeah. fucking jumps off, fucking drop kicks him in the jaw, mm-hmm. flip over, two or three. Yeah. Body Donners get a nice win at a pay-per-view. Yeah, that was, which was unexpected. I didn't expect, expect the Body Donners really to win, even though it was a non a non tail match. Sonny's obviously losing her losing her mind over this. Sonny with a wee pouty face up. Uh, it was like, hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's okay, Sonny. You weren't to know those shorts were too small. <laughs> like, and it's, and it's impressive by Bart going well, because, you know, even though he's in decent shape and also a very talented wrestler, it's clear that... Uh, Pritchard's the heavier of the two, Boy Adonis. So the fact that, you know, it, like Bart was able to hold him up as, as long yeah. as it was for the spot, because it takes him a while to stand there looking around for Billy before, while Candido gets up to the top. So yeah. it takes him a minute or so, so he's holding him there for a solid wee while. You see, this is, this is seeds planted for a feud that was not, in mm-hmm. a sense, because if we remember rightly, we go on to Survivor Series. Yeah. And by this point, the guns have split parted company. Yeah. And, uh, if you remember rightly at the Survivor Series, Bart comes out, traditional guns look, you know, mm-hmm. white hat, leather vest, jeans. Mm-hmm. And Billy, for a week, and I don't know if, how long he held this look, mm-hmm. but came out in the big black duster coat and the black cowboy hat. Uh-huh. And he was all like, yeah. They, they were they were planning on setting it with a duel, hiding. <laughs> they were both going to walk out. They were going to go, Pew pews. <laughs> they're gonna stand behind each other, walk to distance, and then turn shoot. <laughs> and then I think it's after Survivor Series they have a match where it looks like Bart like injures Billy, and they play it off as real. But no, Billy was legit injured, but just needed time off, so they just ah uh-uh, fuck a feud. We'll just have this weird ending, and then Billy can bugger off and come back as Rockabilly. Yeah, with with the honky tonk man. Yes, uh, and then and then the roadie would come, yes. and then we would get gravy. <laughs> yeah, gravy. Uh, we got 13 minutes and 5 seconds. That's how long this opening tag match went. There's a decent length of time. You know, these are really your tag division. These two and the uh, the Godwins. Yeah, I thought it was a good match. And these two these two teams are more competent, I think, than the Godwins in terms of actual in-ring. Yeah. So it was this kind of tag match you were going to get this period. And up until Owen and Bulldog properly turned their attention to the tag team titles, which, yeah, yeah. which they are going to do very soon. True. And then until we got... Like, Say like Level D making a return and like because round about bangers come in uh, round about late ninety six up until about mid ninety seven was not the fan- most fantastic tag division but we had some competence I mean we had the LOD, we had the beginnings of the Outlaws well, well you think of it uh, end of ninety six when we we reviewed the variety series Furnace and Lafon Furnace and Lafon they, they yeah. have a very brief run in the WF and they surprisingly are, brief considering how good they were. Uh, they're very competent, like 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 workers, like from the territories in Japan and everything. Yeah. So basically, they were brought in as to kind of fill the ranks, which is weird because they have a thing with uh, Bulldog and Owen at the end of a Survivor match in '96, and then we're in the same team. Yeah, like but like they don't get their tag title shot the very next year, so they have to wait to the February year to get their fucking title shot, yeah. which is weird. Like who the fucking else have you got better to fight them than these two? When these two, you could you should put your titles on these two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they would end up in the same team. I think it was part of the whole, you know, pro like Canada, yeah, pro Canada, fuck America thing. Which I didn't realize. I thought both France and the Fon were like French Canadian. Only one of them is one of them's American. Yeah, what what one was it? Tasha that was Canadian, or was it the other one? I believe. I mean, I I, I, I want to say it's Lafon that's uh, the French Canadian one because Lafon sounds more French than. He's a non-Tashi one, isn't he? 
can't even remember. It's Dark a long furnace time. filled with thorn. Someone answers in a postcard. Which you one's know, the Tasha one? If it, if it doesn't offend you, mm. I'm going to use your network this evening. Mm. I'm going to watch that one when they're on a team with them. Yeah. Because okay, that's the one where the god, goddamn headbangers mm-hmm. won the titles, man. <laughs> and I love the headbangers so much. So let me go yeah, back. Why don't you love the headbangers? Because they're shit. You're shit. You're shit. You're shit. <laughs> when we argue about this, it's like that bloody uh, bit in Simpsons. I tell you, their greatest prime minister was Lord Palmer. The headbangers. Lord Palmer. All right, fuck you. Hey, a penis. So we get a camp, a camp cornet promo talking about uh, what happened on the free-for-all and the... Uh, Jim Cornette has promised to refund everybody in the audience and watching on pay-per-view their money back if Camp Cornette don't win. And you got, you know, Owen and uh, Bill looking at Rose. Oh, well, in the back when you got Vader just throwing shit around going... And Vader going... <laughs> yes, basically, yeah. And then you, and you got... And you got and you big brutal below. Yeah, that's right, we're going to win. And you get Diana Smith looking pathetically dumb as usual. And Owen was easily the best one. He's still got his cast on me like... Ah, uh, Shawn Michaels, I've already sent you to the hospital. Ahmed, I've already knocked you out of my head, and I'm going to knock you out, Sid. So that's basically the, the gist of it. Uh, so Mankind was meant to fight Jake Roberts. He's going to be replaced with uh, Henry O'Godwin, who comes out also to the dubbed over music. Comes out with Hellbilly Jim. Did, don't go messing with a country boy, country boy. I was going to joke, because they didn't want to pay for a ticket for, uh, for Phineas, but I'm pretty sure they stay in Canada for a TV taping after this. So Hog and pig. Hog and pig. Uh, a fairly uh, a fairly short match. This one I didn't have many notes on it. No, not many. I mean, a lot, of, a couple of good power hits and moves from Henry, mm-hmm. and then the usual shtick. Sh- you know, like he gets a lot of offense on Mankind, and bit bat bop, mandible claw, pass out. Yeah, because like we we saw Mankind first time on this series. Uh, uh, no, not very uh, Beware of Dog when he attacks the Undertaker. But uh, his first pay-per-view match with King of the Ring in between this these two shows. So this is the first thing we were probably seeing this old school, you know, very still early Mankey because he yeah. debuted the Raw after uh, Mania. I believe he beat Bob Holly in his first match. Maybe. No. Was it? I've seen his debut match. He debuted against a fucking jobber. Ah, Killed I, him. I don't know why I thought Bob Holly. Maybe because Bob Holly is a jobber at this well, point. Well, maybe he was at the time, but he came in and he went and done his, so, you know, the creepy music and he came yeah. in. And he was sitting in the corner swaying and ripping his hair out. And then the guys, the match went ding, ding, ding. (laughs) And Mankind went and screeched at him. And Mandible clawed him. Mm -hmm. And then left. Yeah, I mean, Henry Godwin is a big guy. So he's like properly throwing shots at uh, Mankind. And Mankind's obviously taking a lot of the question. He's going back The the culmination of the match is when Henry goes for the slop drop. Yeah, like before that, like, like he gets like he's coming in doing his big like clapping along with the crowd to yeah, music yeah. we can't hear, but mankind just jumps on. Yeah, mankind just goes enough of your piss, you hillbilly cunt. Yeah, he tries to like do the the move on the outside where he moves the pad and you know flips and does the elbow drop, but uh, as but as is the rule in as is the rule in wrestling, he who sets it up must indeed take it, and so he ends up getting backdrop onto the uh, the the exposed concrete. Yeah, and then like he said. Uh, Henry goes for the slot drop, but then Mankind reaches his arm around, grabs him in the mandible claw, mm. and eventually brings him to the mat and causes Henry to pass out. Six minutes, 54. Uh, this went, and considering a month earlier, Mankind had uh, 
you know, beat the Undertaker quite quite convincingly, from what I can remember. Yeah, he did. He, yeah. kicked, he kicked his ass. Yeah, quite convincingly beat him. Uh, I, I wouldn't have thought that he was going to you know, lose here, especially not to uh, a replacement opponent. <laughs> he probably would have beaten Jake Roberts anyway. Oh, well, come on, he's not going to lose to that old drunk, is he? You know, like I don't, I don't really know what the story was between Jake Roberts and Mankind. If there was one, maybe they just wanted a match for Mankind on the show. But Con- considering Mankind, though, mm-hmm. considering Mankind is like you know, mental mm-hmm. in your head kind of thing. What was Jake always famed for? Yeah. You know, a fit and you know, younger Jake. Yeah, that would have been a very, very interesting feud. I, w- I would have liked to have seen you know. Uh, Late eighties, early nineties, you know, Jake, you know, we saw spoken bros up against, you know, the high pitched, you no know, boiler room promos back and forth between him and, and mm. mankind. That would have been very interesting. Like Jake in sort of early ninety two. Yeah. Early ninety two Jake when he was like, No, like trust me, Jake. Yeah, trust me. And he's like, Mankind, I'm gonna deal with you. Trust me. And you're like, Yeah, man. <laughs> you're Jake Roberts, man, you roll. Yeah, Instead of ninety six when he comes in and he's like <sighs> Trust me, and they're like, ah, no. <laughs> I'm gonna play <laughs> twenty-one. You fatty. <laughs> yeah, then he just immediately gets to the ring, and just f- sprints it up the aisle. Which at this point, I then noticed outside of the the, the big house set, they've got there's just a couple of guys dressed as mounties. <laughs> I know. And did you notice one of them was standing there trying not to snigger? <laughs> I did not notice. Oh, that. when mankind was running up and he turned around at the top of the ramp, and he was like, <laughs> one of them was standing there like that, and he was like, and. And weirdly, they're gone by the main event, so I don't know what the hell the thing was with these Mounties. You saw, ah, Canada. Mounties. <laughs> yes, Mounties. We, uh, can't, we can't actually have the Mounties, so we'll have Mounties. We have, uh, I think the Mountie and, uh, you know, Warbaker, you know, Pierre, know when they were, they were Quebecers, they were in their tag team once again over in WCW, and their tag team name was the Amazing French Canadians. Jacques and Pierre. <laughs> uh, Brian Pillman, we get a thing with him. He's recently debuted on the. Uh, he's on the superstar he, line. With he the, get he gets that um he gets that on the air <laughs> in trouble from Vince for his yeah. for his talk. Mm-hmm. Right, you know he's in the the superstar line with the boy dog saying like I have a double team news. I'm pretty sure these guys want to double team Sonny. Vince is like, that's enough of that. Oh, no, no, we don't. We apologise for those remarks. Do you think think that was a case that I'll be having words with you once as he's done, you (laughs) dick? No, I think they wanted that because he was kind of being controversial and they wanted to be kind of edgy, but Vince didn't know what edgy fucking was. Yeah, he didn't know edgy until edgy came and swore in his face. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Because also early in 96, in 95, uh, Brian Brown was developing this like loose Vince's kind of idea of edgy at that point was probably, oh, let's be edgy. <laughs> ah, there you go, I pinged you. <laughs> that was edgy for him. Yeah, that pretty much, yeah. Or, oh, let's be edgy. Hogan, go. That brings us into our next match, which was the best match from King of the Ring 96, and it was a solid match on this show. We have Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on Wild Man Mark Merrill. I, I could I could talk about this match if you like. <laughs> you know. Can you say you're talking about this match that doesn't involve Sable? <sighs> okay. Miro comes in, does his usual bullshit, <laughs> goes for that thing that caused Stone Cold to have a bust lip in King of the yeah. Ring, but 
he goes for it successfully this time. Yeah. He goes for the kick up, but Stone Cold plays it off as if he's been caught. <laughs> bish, bash, bosh, stunner, done. Well, I think there was a, a lot more in between those two. Like the, the thing with the things like he's been hitting the mouth again was. There really was, but you know, Mark Miro, I never liked him. And it's not him, it's not Wild Man I didn't mm-hmm. like. I mean, I liked it if he didn't have that fucking skank attached to him. But that aside, I didn't. I just thought he was so. He looked so uncomfortable in ring at times. You know what I mean? He was so plodding. Alright. You know? Like, I've seen guys that are supposed to be high flying guys. They don't usually look like they're going to stumble every time they go for a move. Uh huh. Miro to me looked like that. Yeah. You know? Every time he went for something, it took him above the second rope. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was always making sure he wasn't about to fall off the fucking turnbuckle, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or whenever he was going for a spot, he was always looking to make sure he wasn't fucking up. Yeah. A good guy that is that kind of wrestler does not have to. Look, he knows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You take you take like an RVD or a... or like a fucking Shawn Michaels or somebody like fucking elk you know what I mean they always know we're always like on point mm-hmm. whereas Miro never always seemed to be on point yeah he wasn't he didn't even seem sure of himself never mind sure of his spot yeah you know what I mean he seemed more sure actually when he went and turned heel and was boxing Mark Miro yeah because he was able to stay on the fucking ground <laughs> you know I think it's that's a good thing he'd had an injury or so at the, at the time yeah. So uh, that's why he kind of changed up, and he was a real. He had boxing training and everything in real yeah, life. Yeah, like golden gloves training yeah, and shit. Yeah. But I always thought he was so unsure of himself. All right. Like any time I watched him in ring, it was just annoying to watch him because it's like, are you going to get to the end where you get beat yet? <laughs> you know, because I never, I rarely saw him fucking win. Yeah. I mean. I don't even know if he's his IC title win is on an actual videotape. You know, was it was at a house show. It's on Raw. On Raw. But you see, was his IC title loss on a house show or on a pay per view? Was that on Raw and all? Well, that was on Raw as well. That was right before Survivor Series. I think they have a rematch maybe at, at its time. I he does, and he walks out with the belt even when he loses. Uh, I'll talk actually about the IC title later on because there's something I want to talk about yeah, that. But, but seriously, didn't didn't you think like Miro was? What was your thoughts on Mark Miro from what you've seen of him? Well, the wild did, man, Mark Miro, I should say. The first, my first introduction for a lot of my Mark Miro was when he was ground based. You know, Mark Miro getting beaten up by you know Sable when he was a heel and everything. Yeah. So I didn't think much of him because I don't think you're really meant to think much of him given no, yeah he's, he's just he's, a bitchy misogynistic dickhead pretty much yeah who's being a prick to disable and everything yeah. so I didn't really think much of him so it's not until I've seen this and then they'll even learn that through like things that like, oh, so we saw you know Johnny be bad and like how he was kind of a high flyer and, like you know what's weird you got Brian Pillman you know, all, uh, like Liz Cannon he's got like these ankle injuries so he can't really wrestle like he used to but before that, he was flying Brian Pillman. So, like, there's a match from, like, Fallborn 85 or something like that, so thanks to OSW, where you see those two came, seem like at their peak if they're being high-flying. Was he actually good, then? Yeah, they were both, like, good, like, high-flyers and everything, like... And so you've seen that compared to where they are here. But I think, even still, like, uh, I was surprised to see how high-flying, like, I didn't even know that Mark Merrill had the shooting star press as yeah, well, his, that was his finisher. Did, so did you rate him a bit higher than I did? A, a bit higher in terms of early like wild man. As soon as he 
starts losing the IC title and everything. I think that's when he goes real like downhill mm. and everything. But you know, because like Vince did want Johnny B. Bad more than he wanted Mark Merrill, but he couldn't get the character of Johnny B. Bad. He kind of severed on Mark Merrill the person. Do you know what Merrill's last pay per view was? Capital Carnage. That was his last pay-per-view. I would have definitely said uh, Elite 98. Well, I, th- I would have actually said Survivor. You can pretty sure like, there's a match between Jacqueline and Sable. I thought he would have been in no, this his one's ve- corner. No, his very last pay-per-view he was a part of was Capital Carnage. Huh? That one with Jacqueline's boobs fell out. <laughs> yes. And my Christ, they were huge. <laughs> Jesus, man. Like, oh, God, she's put an eye out. <laughs> I imagine if you were in the cheap seats in that venue, you could fucking see them on us. Yeah, yeah. She jumped. She jumped on poor Tim White's fucking shoulders, and then her boobs fell out. And Tim White's like, "Your boobs are out. You're on my shoulders. What the fuck?" <laughs> anyway, I'll, let me I'll talk about that because I uh, we should we should do that one time. What kind of what carnage? A retrospective on the referees of old. I was gonna say I thought you were gonna say a retrospective of Jacqueline's boobs, but like that's gonna be a short podcast. Retrospective on Jacqueline's boobs. <laughs> Anywho, let me talk about the match for a second because I I think I would have re- I rated it a bit higher than than you. That like because there were some things where you know the Meryl instead and high fly tries to bring it down to like a mat based kind of thing, and you know you get to see the sequences with Austin that you don't really you wouldn't see a lot of again after you know he, he has his neck injury. Yeah, yeah. You get to see a lot of you know technical or worker Stone Cold. And, like he's even announced it's like King technical of the... worker Stone Cold. Yes. That's why I'm phrasing it. Fuck you. <laughs> I, like even though he's won the King of the Ring, he wasn't really meant to. So like, I don't think there's a guarantee. It was that much of a guarantee that he was going to win because like SummerSlam, he's not even on the paper. He's on the free for all at SummerSlam, and I don't even know if he's even wrestling at a uh, at uh, mind games either. We'll need to look at my tapes to see. We're gonna have to look up next time to see. Uh, but so I don't think it was that much of a guarantee. He wasn't getting that immediate push. I think just yet. So you'll say there's also a Northern Lights suplex sequence where again they then like they do that thing where you do the Northern Lights suplex and the guy kind of stands up and you do the flip round and everything. Yeah. And they also they do that reverse run thing where he got accidentally hit the, the first time and you know Jerry Lawler and Stone Cold are both are both been saying oh he did that on purpose and then they'll say Austin does the faker and everything sends him to the outside and the post works him over. Yeah. And then eventually Merrill just picks him up and just places Stone Cold and his little rattlesnakes up on the ropes. How awkward. Did that particular spot look? Like, see when Stone Cold was going to uh-huh. flip him into the corner post? Uh-huh. How awkward did that fucking spot look? Quite awkward. Like, the most he awkward looked, thing like, he had his legs, and then three times he was like uh-huh. looking behind him, like making sure. You're like, fuck's sake, man. There was a, a couple of. There was one point that was really awkward to me. I think they're trying to set up some sort of weird Goldust versus Meadows thing. Yeah, I when when Marlena uh, comes out with the valet yeah, and it, hands, a, hands a gold envelope to the king. But, like, you don't even see it. Because you see Marley wandering around, and you hear the commentary talking about they say that an envelope's been handed, and then you just randomly see in the fort in the on the corner, oh, Marlena's walking out the ramp again, she's going to stand there, and then they say at the end, oh, is Marlena perhaps a distraction for Meadow and Sable? Like, no, he got beat because he got the stunner and he couldn't kick out of it. That's, yeah. what, what, what is this? Just an odd segue, but still technically part of this match. What did you think of the early, like, you see... Early Stone Cold matches, mm-hmm. the delivery of the stunner, as opposed to like later on. I really nearly missed him delivering the stunner. I'll be honest with you. I thought the delivery of the stunner early on mm-hmm. was a lot more you know, significant. Mm-hmm. 
when later because you know it was like later on it was so exaggerated like he'd deliver the stun and be like oh fuck I've been stunned <laughs> like a few times I've seen him hit it on Miro the one thing I will say about Mark Miro he knew how to sell it right uh-huh. you know because he got stunned on the shoulder and he would just drop <laughs> you know I thought that was the best way to take it. The yeah. best way it was done because it just seemed stone cold to the point, like boom. Well, a lot of people also do talk about uh, the way Jr. puts over stone cold, and like as even Stone Cold himself talks about it. But like Jr. even helps put over this early version of the stunner by saying, "Oh, oh when they show the replay, like, when you give that stunner, that's it. That slides out. So basically, they're putting over the move. Yeah, this yeah. is move. like you get out of that, you're not kicking out of it. You're putting over yeah. as a protected move." So Miro, Miro did sell it well enough because he yeah. took it got it on the shoulder on the chin boom done I think the change in uh, the stunner comes around with like Austin's kind of popularity in like, late 97 because like the idea of like seeing the boot like the crowd get a oh he's got a stunner ah he stunnered him see, rather than it being just an out of nowhere move see I just liked it like see like, the way like sometimes Sean would deliver the super kick yeah just boom it an airwell and boom would be done yeah I loved it why Stone Cold, early Stone Cold used to just, like, just boom, there's the stunner, the fucker's done. So, like, I was actually enjoying this, but then the wild Marlena appearing uh, just kind of distracted me, and not in a good way. Did did you notice, by the way, <laughs> the pervert in the crowd? Oh, there's a scene, there's a part during the match where, like, Meryl's on the outside, mm-hmm. and Sable goes around showing concern, blah, 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 and uh-huh. you know how she was wearing that fucking cat suit was tight enough for her fucking skin, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where some cunt in the fucking front row reaches out and he's like, like uh, that, and I'm like, you dirty bastard. I know. You know what I mean? Like, keep your fucking hands to yourself. I know. Uh, Mirror does manage to hit his, like, his moonsault, in, his big leg drop, and things like that. In, but in respect, I would have loved it if Sable had seen that and turned around and booted him right in the fucking oh, yeah. jaw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, dirty cunt. I know. Yeah, so also, Mirror does get his big moves and like, he's like, moonsault, his leg drop. He doesn't manage to get the, uh, the wild thing, though. Uh, you, get... you never said that right, man. The wild thing. Say it like Vince okay. said it, man. Oh, oh, he's going for the wild thing. Like, oh, wow. What a maneuver. Oh, forget about it. You'll say, you'll go, shoot up, press. Fuck's sake, shut <laughs> Sick. Uh, but then also, he comes to the ropes, come back in, he gets like coming from the ropes by Austin, and then immediately catches some stunner. Uh, yeah. 10 minutes 48 this match lasted so, so what if he does it better than Billy Kidman no he's done any fucking injured people like Billy Kidman like <laughs> a knee smack right in the poor Chavo's face oh I know I know Jesus man he, see the thing is with Billy Kidman he got the elevation and the flip right but he never landed the thing right never, never could see it landed there's a, there's a gif out there of him doing the shooting star face and then getting himself hung up on the top rope <laughs> I mean didn't, didn't he injure like Jamie Noble doing that one time yeah, he injured Paul London like one time and all. Mm, I remember Paul London. Uh-huh. Wasn't he like part of the tag team with Brian Kendrick that held the titles for like ever? Aye, like, well he was in tag team with Billy Kidman for a while. They broke up and I think it was during their like breakup match they accidentally injured Kid, uh, uh, Paul London. Oh, Paul London, yeah. Because yeah. they feared because they lost the titles because Billy Kidman didn't want to do the shooting star press because he injured Chavo and they played that into uh, yeah. a storyline. Yeah. But... We we, we we go on. Yeah, Enough yeah, said about Billy Kidman and his shitty delivery. But yeah, I think clearly I, I kind of read this match a lot more than you because it was nice to see this kind no, of... This version of Stone Cold that you don't get to see a lot of because of the yeah. neck injury. I, I do rate it. I rate I rate Stone Cold very highly in this match and I rate Merrill's groundwork a lot. But mm-hmm. I just think he's... I think his high flying is a bit a step off during this match. Yeah. You know? 
But I, I don't disagree with you on his like his groundwork and his selling and just his general presence in the ring. I think mm-hmm. it's a solid match. Yeah. I just think he's a bit like a step off on his on his his high spots, you know. Mm-hmm. So then, like we had that, an ad for that tag match on Raw that I mentioned, you know, the tag team between Ahmed, uh, Sean, and I'll get to the smoking guns. <laughs> uh, and then that takes us into Goldust versus the Undertaker. Uh, is this for? I don't forgot to note down, but is the Orkan not a title on the line, or is it specified that it's a non-title match? No, it's not. There is no title on the line. Oh fuck! I forgot. He's not even Remember, he's not champion. even IC title champion at this time. No, I forgot. I thought the title was on the line. Like whatever. There's no. There you go. Something we didn't even acknowledge Never. with this show. He, he lost that at the King of the Ring. Yes, to, to Ahmed, first ever African American Intercontinental Champion. First ever African American Champion, was it not? Well, at first singles Japanese. Oh yeah, yeah. At this point, uh, Rocky Johnson and uh, Tony uh, Atlas had Tony been, Atlas had been Soul him. Patrol, as they were called. Cool name. Yeah, I mean, I think they had opportunities to put the, the IC title like uh, like uh, WrestleMania when you got the Junkyard Dog Challenge and Greg Valentine for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They could have easily put it on him, I think, at the time. Actually, they almost did put on somebody. You know, apparently, Butch Reed, uh, used to be a tag partner of Ron Simmons back in the day, was almost the Intercontinental Champion. But he missed the tapings, and that's why Honky Tonk Man won the title. Didn't they have thoughts of putting the titles on Bad News or any point? I know Bad News was in title matches. I don't know if they were fine, but uh, Honky Tonk Man was at a tapings, and Butch Reed missed it. And uh, I believe Honky Tonk Man was also a pal of Hogan. So there you go. Hulk Hogan, uh, Honky Tonk Mammoth. I see there, and it still stands to this day. It's all because Butch Reed was late. was late or missed his plane or whatever. And Hulk Hogan probably went, oh, well, that black guy was late. Just put it on my friend. <laughs> yeah, because we all know Hulk Hogan, friend to the black man. Hulk Hogan, uh, a more jacked up and less good looking version of Shawn Michaels. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the boss is here and good to his friends. As long as they never messed with his shit. I mean, at least when Sean went bald briefly before he grew his hair short, but at least at least Sean would probably acknowledge he was bald and not hang on to that little bit of hair that's left, unlike Hogan, who didn't like you calling him bald, even though he was clearly was bald. Don't talk about Sean going bald. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying, like, if you're going bald, be honest about it. Don't do what Hogan did and try and lie about do it. Do you know what? Say what you will about Hogan, but let's not forget what Sean looked like at Survivor Series 2002. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget that. Well, his hair wasn't much longer than yours, isn't it? Yeah, my hair looks fucking good. Ah, really? Yeah, my hair looks great. Looks better than fucking Sean's did. Why Why are we talking about this? We should be talking about Undertaker versus Goldust. Yes, we should. And Goldust plays very much the coward in this match. He's constantly hiding behind the referee, and then he tries to get a teacher, and Undertaker just smacks him in the face. Do you know, I'll tell you something about this match. Mm-hmm. I was watching it last night, mm-hmm. and you know what? During Goldust's entrance... Even though I was lying in bed watching it, I still did it. When he was walking in, I still watched him and he went, see when the music kicks yeah. in, and it just, and you're like, <laughs> and even lying in bed, I was, vocally, I was like, I love this guy! <laughs> I love Goldust! Why was he never the fucking champ? Because people didn't like him. Well, well, not. I think it was the heat. You got too much heat, and they were worried what would happen if he won the belt. What if he got a, a weirdly, a weirdly as he as he no champ? Yes, he was very nearly the champ, but they were like, "Oh, the heat's too hot for Goldust. Let's not have a riot." Okay, what? Oh, fucking Jerry Lawler, aren't you? <laughs> no. I know. Boof. No, crude pots, because that's a baby facing to admit you're not gay. Yeah, apparently. well, in that time period, it was apparently so. 
No, we weren't. We weren't in the era of Darren Young yet. <laughs> eh, didn't change his career anyway, did it? <laughs> no, he was it's still good, good for you for being open. You're still crap though. <laughs> you still tag with Titus O'Neil. <laughs> <laughs> You're the prime time players. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Anyhow, you, you're making moves to the breadline because you suck. <laughs> Anywho, so then they, they, it's very much a brawl this match, and you get to see, like, like all the have to cheat at points, and you do see a, an odd bit of noise vicious side when he's using the steel steps. Oh, yeah. Point out as well, near the start of the match, like, JR is really pushing pushing up the abilities of Goldust. Well, yeah. like, like, you look at this man, he's like 6'2, mm-hmm. however heavy Goldust was at the time. He's yeah. like, this guy is a big guy. He can kick ass if he wants to. Yeah, I think it's because also Jar probably would have called some of his work in uh, in early WCW, so he knows how like the natural to certain yeah, ones work. But yeah. but he doesn't get to show it in the same way as Golas because as good as he is at the character work, it doesn't always translate to matches because sometimes you have to work within a certain. You know, because like you know the way that Mark Merrill does these high fly moves and everything. That's it's him being the wild man. Yeah, Goldust doing busting out in Star Press. Probably wouldn't suit the character very well. The thing is, though, like Goldust, even in this time period, you would get brief periods during matches when he would just wail on a guy. Yeah, like it would go for being like weird, running out of the ring, weird, like touching people up, and then you just go fuck it and start beating crap out of someone, mm-hmm. and that's evident. Like you say, like in the part where like he's got Undertaker outside and he's fucking him up with the stairs, and yeah, he's hooking him and shit. Mm-hmm. Like Goldust could fucking go. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Look, it was it was the weirdest fucking thing because like spots during matches like one minute you've got him wailing on a guy next minute you've got him like touching him up and running away yeah <laughs> you know yeah there's a point that I looked a bit like oh I was thinking because uh, Digger's got him on the outside he chokes lands him on the steps but like the steps are still like where they are so he kind of catches the back catches like the edge yeah, of the steps yeah. and you're like oh I could go very wrong especially <laughs> when you think about like Sean and the casket and everything yeah. And then he takes the steps. He Thanks tries to bring in the help. You're welcome. He goes to drop it on, uh, on him, but then Marlena gets in the way. So Taker kind of puts steps down, and then Cola takes advantage, and then he ends up dropping the steps on Taker later on as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he doesn't so much drop. He lifts and throws right yeah, on his back. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that basically allows him to and, uh, you know, get the advantage over Taker. I, just, I loved it as well when he was beating on Taker on the outside and then he's back in the ring and he's like, ah, you <laughs> fuckles, go on. Yeah, Canada, a lot more nicer, you know, they, they, they definitely hate Goldust or Burnham, but didn't hear as many, you know, homophobic chants yeah, in like, this match. didn't hear any fag chants or nothing. Yeah, I know, because like, uh, compare that to his match with Warrior when uh, I think they were in Nebraska, somewhere like that, and he's wandering stall and you can hear some very... Guys leaning in because the camera's there and the camera mic is very clearly picking up guys yelling certain things that uh, are not too us. friendly. Not too friendly. Very yelly directly. Adam, you whatever. Let's see. Call him fag, right? Yeah, basically, I don't want to see it. It's not a nice word. I don't want to see it. It's not a nice word. It's, it's a... not a nice word at all. Mm-hmm. But little minds only know little words. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering what we've heard for the. Uh, what you're saying about you know people, gay people in it in the past, you know he was the big, seemingly one of the biggest baby faces they'd ever seen in that night. Yeah, fucking warrior. Yeah, I, I, I hate the fact that because he's past, everyone is just glossing over the fact that he was a homophobic, racist. Well, everybody in WWE seems doing the fact. A lot of fans, a lot of fans won't forget it. I won't forget it. Mm-hmm. 
You know, do you know an interesting little segue as we ramble? Do you know the Ultimate Warriors' last in-ring match was against Orlando Jordan? Orlando Jordan for a, a title. It was did he win that title? And was it in Brazil? I think he won the title and finished up and then immediately vacated it because Warrior ain't doing no jobs. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's, never did do no job. unless it's against Hogan and WCW and you get paying a lot of money and I don't think that promotion had WCW money. No, that promotion did not. I didn't know what the person was called, but I did have many other notes. I imagine also he's dominating Taker, the whole stats thing with Taker. He's come back and yeah. he drives Goldust down with a, a tombstone, but then uh, Undertaker gets the DQ one because... Uh, Mankind uh, appears. And I think it took him he, he very close to missing his cue there because like, Taker does the thing where he folds down, so it takes a second before he properly goes with the thing, because I think he's waiting for, for Foley. Yeah. He comes up from under the ring, and then I can only imagine, because we've seen him run up the, the ramp, that maybe during Taker's entrance somehow well, they, they snuck him out. Well, I figured, like, during the entrance, he probably snuck. Aye. You know, we probably, probably on deck to it as a cameraman or something, he just... I went to yeah, like, an indie show one time, and there was a woman wrestler who came out from under the ring during the second half of the show, and apparently... When the ring crew came out during the halftime, but they they snuck her out with the dressed a crew member just head under the ring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, it can be done. It probably was something like that. Yeah, or... I probably had them like decked out in like mm-hmm. some kind of cameraman role or some kind of yeah. crap, and like just like as they were all walking down, he slipped under, and mm-hmm. that was that. Yeah, like twelve minutes. This when he uh, comes out, grabs Taker's leg, starts dragging him down, lives with the mandible claw and everything. So also at this point he's struggling to beat Mankind because Mankind seems to be one of these guys that even though he's not a monster like they usually bring him for Taker he's seemingly got Taker's number but also at the same time what's getting lost is the fact that even though Taker technically won he's not beating Goldust either Goldust will beat him at Boera Dog thanks to you know, Mankind's help and then he beats him here so Goldust and you know Mankind, Mankind. these two unique characters both have got these wins, multiple wins over the Undertaker at this period. So mm-hmm. this was the most vulnerable in this in '96. This most vulnerable period I think Taker had up at this point. Yeah, up until, this is where he was at his weakest. And then he would seem more vulnerable when he had the feud uh, with Kane because Kane dominated him for a lot up until as they lost at Mania and everything. Yeah, but, yeah. But Kane was seemingly as like an equal to Taker. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Grudge because he's maybe even a couple inches taller than just Mark Calloway. Slightly taller. I mean, like, Kane's debut, I mean, like, coming in in Bad Blood 97, just ripping the fucking door off, man. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that Glenn Jacobs would ever deliver a better <laughs> tombstone than the one he delivered with Bad Blood. Mm-hmm. Because he just hoists him up, and then it was it was like a Taka Mishinoko version of a pile driver, yeah. a fucking tombstone, he just hoists him up, boom. Mm-hmm. And, then- and then Sean, bleeding... Yeah. Crawls over. He goes, <laughs> and then it's weird. I think Taker took ages to get to the other side of the ring for his next bit because you know the smoke coming out of the the hole in the ring is Mankind doing his big squeal and everything. And then every so often the dung would go off and people were cheering, trying to rest in peace. That, and that was got, starting to annoy the fuck out of me. It was me enough because I hate Undertaker's music. Well, mm. like see that, like see his original music, mm-hmm. loved it. Ministry music. Loved it. That period music was a pain in the hole, <laughs> and then just constantly hearing it going, "Dung." You got Paul Bearley girls and all the, the fans chanting "Rest in peace" and everything until eventually he comes up the other end, yeah. and they brawl and they brawl fittingly into a boiler room at one point, mm. which then leads us into the boiler room match the following month. But uh, also, you got two holes in the ring, and uh, you, cut, you see, I, I noticed during the next match 
he's cut to the corners and the cameras close up and he's got tape over the canvas where yeah. they came up just taped over it also I mean, it wasn't a terrible match but Again, it wasn't a good match. It was a bit of a stalling because uh, they cut to a backstage interview to show you how the, the main event got set up and everything, and yeah. they have a problem with the face team. I think they're stalling because uh, the smoke is taking ages to clear. Yeah, but we're stalling and we're talking about uh, we do look part like we talk about how what happened at the last thing, and Ahmed came out and clumsily slammed Bulldog, and then Warrior came Warrior out, came out and pushed. Uh, heart off the turnbuckle, and they were all like, "Yeah," and then, and then we get Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, we're like, "Ultimate Warrior would not be in this for having missed several dates he was scheduled to appear at." <laughs> yeah, uh, so also, what a surprise! Also, you had somebody while they're doing well, the commentators doing their bit to the camera. Some guy grabs a Burger King and places on Jerry's head. Oh, I know, I know. And Jerry looks legitimately pissed off and, th- and just jokes about, I don't think he was joking, but says about kicking the guy out. Yeah, but did you he, notice, he, like, after that had been done, the security guard never left that part of the, well, I thought the crowd? That, I, I thought I could see this guy kind of snigger, but then notice he's on camera, so he kind of leans in, has to be seeing what he's doing, like, right, mate, right, wrap it. The, the bald guy that was in between JR and Vince. Mm-hmm. Was sniggering and then the security guard came in and loomed at him and he was like, hmm, sorry man, I did nothing. But what less? Bloody me. Bloody, Fuck you. Bloody Canadians. <laughs> but yeah, let's, let's talk about this. The, the guy that was on the other side of the bald guy though, <laughs> he was still holding that Burger King crown and still looked really tempted to lean over and go, oh, what? 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 you see? <laughs> Although we talked about King of the with the start of that Burger King dance and three years later it's still a thing. <laughs> Burger King! Burger King! <laughs> Which was slowly transferred to Jerry's Kid! <laughs> Jerry's Kid! So let's talk about this main event, shall we? It was meant to be uh, Warrior, Ahmed and Sean against Camp Cornet. I don't, I don't think Sean would have been able to deal with a warrior and Ahmed. Nah. Sounds like a fucking nightmare to deal with. Like but, a, a ball bag and a clumsy idiot. And also, well, Sean being his, not his best period either. Well, let's be honest, though. Sean, even though that wasn't his best period, that he was still fucking competent in the ring. Uh-huh. So, that's, how, that's why Sean got away with so much, because the matter what, the minute that bell rang, he was competent. Yeah. He was just an asshole, but he was a competent asshole. So he's like thinking of missing an event that was legit like months ago. He scheduled several events that he was advertised to appear. Mm. So I must indefinitely suspend the warrior. And so, like, they think they were hoping that Warrior would come back to TV, but this is the last you see of the the Warrior. Yay! You see, this uh, that episode where they announced it because it was legit. He was missing live events, and uh, Sid actually was the one that actually called in to replace him, and very brief matches. Sid called in. Sid was called in. Oh, to, Sid to, was called in to replace him. And so, even though there were some people like Cornette wasn't happy about uh, Sid coming back because obviously there were a few people who didn't like you know because Sid was seen as he in the past had like no showed events and was seen as unreliable. Some people and also the Arn Anderson incident. Yeah, Mister Mister Stabby Stabby. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people should, uh, just assume that a lot of people can kind of associate or attribute. Sorry, I'm looking for the right word. I'm not beginning with an A, but attribute to Vince. Want to bring him back and also pushing him the way he did when he came back is basically, look at him. Wow. He's big. Which, you know which what? suits Vince's <laughs> kind of motives most of the time. For all those naysayers, they can fuck themselves, <laughs> quite frankly. Every single one of them can take a giant stick and fuck themselves. <laughs> because, you know what? 
I think Sid was not used enough. Mm. I think Sid should have retained the belt at WrestleMania 13. Mm. And does that mean I think Sid should have beat the Taker on WrestleMania 13? Yes, I do. Mm. Because I legitimately liked Sid. Mm. I really did. I mean, I love. I mean, the fans obviously loved him. Uh huh. You know what I mean? It was obvious that Survival Series '96. The fans. I don't know if the fans loved him so much because they hated Sean so much. It had to play a big part. It had to play a big part because the only ones screaming for Sean at that Survival Series were the women. Mm -hmm. The men hated him, (laughs) and when when Sid won that, everybody who did not have a set of tits cheered that man. (laughs) Everybody fist bumped that man. Everybody was happy that that man was suddenly dominant. Well, no, Did you like it, that? Yeah. No, it's interesting though. It's the July 8th episode of Raw where Munson makes the announcement. But that is actually the very first episode of Raw post by Bash of the Beach 96. That's the first Raw post NWO. Mm. But what's interesting is on that show, the Warrior has a match because it was already taped. Was that the match where he got a doing off Camp Cornet? Uh, he fights Owen and then gets a doing off Camp Cornet afterwards, so they use that to kind of write him out anyway, even yeah. though he's already suspended. But also, I think you'd think that maybe they'd play that into the... I don't know what they would have done originally, maybe they would think, oh, Warrior is hurt, will he show up at the pay-per-view and then, oh, Big Warrior, that's his whole thing. <laughs> big Warrior, right, that's, that's his whole thing, like, just, I can't do the Warrior impression maybe as well as you. Sugar the Rops! Hulk Hogan! Even though you know you had to face outside of Hulk Hogan, when I try and do a good warrior person, Hulk Hogan, ultimate challenge, all starts cocaine. Oh, you, you snort and then you go. Yeah, he did a lot of snorting back in the day. The just did warrior. The airplane and the pilots and the nose dive. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. What's interesting though is the oh, the commentary is redubbed uh, for the match. When it when he when it's when it goes out, mm. and you think oh it's been redubbed to take the piss out of the warrior, but my man still holds up that warrior will you know pay the pay the fee like the fine that he's meant to pay because I think he did get fined as well for not showing events. So hopefully the warrior will pay this fine and we'll see him again on our TV screen soon. And and yeah, Law's being Jerry Law, he doesn't give a fuck about the warrior. He's just because nah. obviously he had that match with warrior kind of ring and he fucking hates the warrior as well. So we're sitting on, but also that gave them a good thing because like they did a split screen thing with uh, Sean and Ahmed being interviewed during the Warrior match where they said we're not going to make people wait we're going to announce our new partner tonight mm. and a thing that was pre- that was taped oh, separately from the TV tapings obviously because it wasn't meant to happen I've got to admit though <laughs> even though he was a clumsy big dick mm-hmm. the fact that Ahmed was so big mm-hmm. to hide Sid behind him mm-hmm. was something you like so like I'll say they weren't I'll say the original tape they done the tapings and then they realised oh fuck we got a uh, reveal new partner so they did they took they brought uh, the face team and Cornet to like a studio they put them in separate rooms and they did the split screen reveal yeah. of it and so I'll say which I was watching this on Wrestling Bios to remember where this episode happened and Wrestling Bios mentions a really cool thing that weirdly I wrote the reason to happen into something that was that kind of worked in their favour even though they didn't win the ratings mm. obviously they were going to need something big to follow by WCW turn Hogan heel and immediately when you turn into Raw after like the first hour of Nitro because Nitro's two hours at this point when you turn into Raw it's still going over here Warriors out we're going to reveal a new partner later on so instantly Raw has a hook that maybe they think could pull people in from Nitro but it doesn't but you know they, they do have a hook for the show and then yeah at the end they got the thing where they're doing a split screen thing with uh, with 
Cornette, and eventually there's a reveal. Sid comes around and the the face on yeah. Cornette like, you can't have Sid. He's a maniac. He's and then you have Jim Cornette. <laughs> it does mention in the promo on the preview does being the master and ruler at one point. I think. Can I just say, well, mm-hmm. that was one of the most competent and coherent. <laughs> Promos that Sid's ever given. He even does the thing where he, where he does the loud show and then goes very. I know, I know, I loved that. So he's re- he's retaining some of his like old Sid Vicious pros, like I mentioned in 92. Why is he so competent there? And then I think it's in 97 when he goes back to the where he starts being more shouting. No, he doesn't know what the hell he's saying. The whole thing, like, I am the master and the ruler of the world. <laughs> and you're like, yes! <laughs> Kill everybody! I think also in 97 is where we start seeing like Sid's promos going a bit, uh, <laughs> going a bit meh. And, uh, you know, I think 99 is where he does the infamous, you know, half the man that I am, and half, I have half the brain that you do. I think someone, I've seen someone describe it as when Sigo Sid wants to talk, he forms the words in his brain, the words stop off for a few pints on the way to his mouth and <laughs> fall out his mouth, and you get a Sid promo. <laughs> That's cruel. <laughs> it's cruel and unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, said. So we've uh, been waiting around. It's time for uh, the main event now. Let's yeah, talk about yeah, it. Let's talk it's about it. It's a solid main event. <laughs> it's, it gets plenty of time. The crowd are hot and everything. The crowd are very hot for Sid as well. So yes, they are. This is one of the example. One of the main examples of a replacement working way better than the. Uh, but everybody's the doing the. Uh, you know, the, who's the man? He said dribbling and spitting at everybody. Who's the man? Mm. Oh, and you're like, you're the man. Uh, Vader starts the match, but he wants to start with Sean, and uh, they are like, oh, what a tough guy this is. He only outweighs Sean by like one, two hundred pounds. No, <laughs> oh, I just loved it. Like when Vader's like, I want Sean. Sean's like, all right, and Sid's like. <laughs> and, then, on, then. and then Sean can use his quietness against fear because he goes up for a power and then he hits a hurricane and sends Sid to the outside does a give a dive and then he goes back up the apron goes to do another dive fear just casually moves out the way and yeah. Sid smacks against the the railing yep mm-hmm. uh, eventually like Sid actually gets quick dive in quite quickly and Sid he runs wild he, oh, he yeah. sits up <laughs> he sits up Johnson comes in at one point hits a power tags punch. in and suddenly he's dominant mm-hmm. yeah I'm going to keep hitting out of that one because I love it <laughs> uh, Owen one point uh, very early on Bulldog manages to get a big stall and like suplex yeah, on his yeah, sense which the crowd do pop really for good. Mm-hmm. that was really good because I mean Bulldog was always solid with that particular mm-hmm. movement mm-hmm. it just it was just like, full on evidence of just how fucking strong it actually was you, you open in mean? like five or so minutes maybe open ten minutes the, the faces are just running roughshod over the heels for a oh, little bit. totally, totally. Mm-hmm. It's like to- total face, mm-hmm. like, what? fire, you yeah, know? yeah. Like total face dominance. <laughs> also, at one point, a fan tries to get up on the apron. He gets probably, like, hanging over the road before security grab him. Yeah. But, like, why? And then I thought, like, you should jump the barrier anyway. But I will fuck, you got Vader in this match. He's known for being stiff. You got fucking Psycho Sid in this match. And you've got Sean who doesn't take light, take kindly to idiots. You got the fucking bulldog here as well. Like and Ahmed's well he, also you can't really wrestle, but you gotta think if you pissed him off and he, he got his, hurt and, you. and he got his hands on you, he'd fucking hurt you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if he meant to do it mm-hmm. oof. I know. So like Pick your moments, mate. Aye. Honestly. Don't try and be a fanny when you've got that much ego and muscle in the ring. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I've seen it. I've watched on YouTube with time when that silly bastard tried to jump in the ring between uh, Triple H and fucking Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. And Triple H just fucking lands on the guy, man. I love that. I just fucking hip grabbed the guy, threw him down, and then pummeled the crap at him. I don't know who's in the match, but there's a match from WCW where somebody jumps the ring and the referee just immediately jumps on the guy, grabs him in the front, very front face lock. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've seen that a few times where fans make a horrible mistake of jumping in the ring and the wrestlers just kill them. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then, obviously, there's a brief point where like Ahmed's worked over, but then immediately the faces like pick up again with Sean getting tagged and everything. And then Sean ends up being the one getting worked over by the heel team, which I think kind of makes sense, because even though he's the WWF champion, by default, he's the guy who makes more sense to get worked over. Yeah, he's, he's the wee guy. He's the smallest one of them, because maybe Ahmed... Which maybe makes sense because like he's probably the lowest in terms of importance because even though he's the IC champion, but Sean, top guy, sits over his hell and he's returning, and then there's Ahmed. Yeah, it's and, weird, man. Isn't it? And then there's Ahmed. You know, he uh, still got the gold version of the, the gold version of the IC oh, belt he's here not as well. Even important enough to have his own straps. <laughs> he like, but uh, but what would be good about Ahmed being the one to get worked over is the more moves he takes, the less moves he's delivering, which means less chance of him injuring someone. But like Ahmed holding that, like, oh, you're just looking after that for gold dust. <laughs> that what you were doing? <laughs> oh, dead dooms. <laughs> so yeah, you'd, Sean, be, you'd be a good man looking after gold dust belt. So yeah, Sean's the one getting uh, worked over for ages. He gets hit with the running power slam by Bulldog, but then so side comes and breaks the pin. But he doesn't come in and just kick him. He runs past Bulldog, who's still pinning him, and just does a leg drop to the back of uh, Bulldog. <laughs> He's like, we can fucking see you, said You're not that subtle. How, no, fuck, I, how the fuck are you going to miss someone like Sid? No, but it's like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it full on. There's even a point, I think he manages to get Vader up for a choke slam at one point. That was one of his main moves. Well, well, he does a choke half. slam, I can't remember. I, I believe, actually, you know, Sid also had times where he would walk away. Like, you got that nickname Softball, said where he'd disappear... Around at the spring That's team because sometimes. because he loved softball. And he, would he dis- taught it. And he would disappear around at the spring team, which is usually softball season. Which, like I said, he's got a history of no so- showing events. Apparently that was a thing he had wrote into a contract once. Yeah. Like, it was like, I want this much money. I want to be, like, pushed as a big guy in your company and I want softball season free. I think that, uh, when that off in 92 and... Uh, fact that he wouldn't take he refused to take a drug test when they wanted him to that's why he left in 92 after mania 8 but also he get he, he also he drops the belt at mania, at mania 13 disappears briefly comes back to sid in 97 you know, and i mentioned also you got him and vader briefly going at it here apparently he and vader might have a match uh at SummerSlam 97 so do you mind of them having a match but they never got it do you mind if i ask just mm-hmm. out of curiosity if you know right yeah why Considering Sid was so over with the fans, mm-hmm. why did they let him go? I think again because he get uh, disappearing for softball thing and everything like that. Maybe just it was just too much of a hassle for them. I just I've heard I've heard uh, like because I watch on occasion on YouTube. I watch Jim Cornette's uh-huh. thing, and as much as he, he's a bit of a dick, he does talk honestly. Jim Cornette a lot of the time. I find you know mm-hmm. what I mean. He talks quite frankly, mm-hmm. and he. He generally, for what I've heard, doesn't he have a bad word to say about Sid. Hmm. He says that he's just a big, he's just a big old Texas boy that loved his softball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was, he wasn't, he wasn't, he messing with Sid. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He just, he liked to come in, do his shit, go, and he liked to do soft. He was obsessed with softball. You know, you know, it was weird. I found this out because of Bob Holly's book. I haven't read it. I heard read a review. I listened to a podcast where they were talking about his book. Yeah, apparently. 
Bob Polly was uh, somebody that said, you know, loved traveling the road with. And basically, he basically insisted that Bob always be in the car with him. Bob Polly? I basically says, like, Bob. And this is the guy who's pocket in the piss over doing that. He's like, Bob, you keep me sane. Which is what some he psycho said. So, like, you're, Bob Polly, of all people, is, the, is keeping you sane. That says something about both of your fucking yeah. mental capacities. Yeah, you always say it right, like, said, Bob, you're keeping me sane. <laughs> While I am the master and the ruler of the world. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we never. Got, oh, Bob, who's the man? <laughs> so we never properly got you know, Vader versus Sid on oh, a WF paper. That would have been good. I think that would have been good for Vader as like, well. So. Like, like, I, like I said before, he was made to take the world title and WCW from Va- from Vader before you know, the Anderson incident. But like even like no Vader's like planned title reign wouldn't come to pass when Sid wins the belt. I can't. I, mean, I don't know why. You no, know, they wouldn't have done Vader. I mean, I think because they wanted they're both heels and they didn't usually do heel v heel. But that would still be a hell of a match and in '97. Can, can I just say something? If Arn Anderson hadn't been silly enough to get in the way, I said scissors. There wouldn't have been any problem. Well, it's not my. As I said to report that wasn't my fault. He shouldn't have been where I was stabbing. And for what I hear, I've heard so many different accounts of this, and do you know what? I hear a lot of them saying it was Arn Anderson's fucking fault anyway. They'd already had an argument, and then Sid got annoyed, and then came back with the scissors. I heard Arn Anderson went to his room with a chair leg. Well, cause he, I think he figured Sid would be armed with it. I didn't think he'd bring fucking scissors or anything, but... Oh, fuck they, off, you go to a man's I think there was a bit of a struggle when they both got up a few cuts as well. Yeah. So it wasn't properly like, stabbing like a cut or anything. Sake, you, you go to a fucking guy's hotel room with a fucking chain leg. You expect some repercussion. No, it was Sid coming to Anderson's hotel room, I think, uh, in the I story. Heard, I heard different. Well, I heard different to you. Well, fuck you, then. Well, fuck you. <laughs> well, fuck you. Like your Wolfpack t-shirt. Thank you very much. I love the t-shirt, too. I noticed. See? Mm. I noticed. Anyhow, but uh, there's a point where it just descends into a brawl. Everybody except Vader and Sean are on the outside. Uh, Cornette goes to throw the East tennis racket to Vader, but Sean catches and hits him with it. There's a bit of a thing with uh, Cornette and Lothario because Cornette knocks Lothario down. Strangest thing I've ever seen happens in this match, too. What? Sean takes the pin. I know. Clean? Vaguely clean. Vaguely cleanly. Yeah. Like, as clean as you get, because also he's distracted by Cornette, and then that allows Sid well, uh, Vader to come in with a splash. Well, if you remember, Sean's getting a bit with the upper hand, and he's ready to set up. He's tuning up the band, as it were. Yeah. And then Cornette grabs his ankle, which allows oh, yeah, Vader yeah. to run in with the big body splash. Sean falls down, and Vader does the Vader bomb. Well, the, Vader bomb, yeah. Yeah, Vader bombs him. One, two, three, and Sean takes a relatively clean pin, which was fucking unheard of at that time period. Yeah. There's a thing on the network, I think it's maybe an extra, but I don't know if it was on the tape or anything, but it shows Gorilla Monsoon being interviewed by Doc Henry. He <coughs> makes the uh, the boiler room match official, and uh, then Cornette and Vader and that, is on, the ta- that is yeah, on the network. And, yeah, I don't know if it's on the tape, though. It might be. I'd, I mean, I'd, I'll be honest with you, when I was watching it last night, mm-hmm. I turned it off at that point because I just I was so tired and I couldn't yeah. be asked hearing them. But like, they come, they come in and basically say, like, he just pinned the WWE champion, so that then sets up the, uh, the match at SummerSlam, so... It makes sense, obviously, the faces act like Sir loses and beat up the heels afterwards. They send the crowd home happy. <sighs> but basically, the heels had to win to set up Vader, you know, beats the WWE Champion, so now Vader's going to get that shot at SummerSlam, where he was obviously supposed to win the title. But he didn't. No, he didn't. Also, in uh, in your house, it's uh, Mind Games was actually maybe uh, School of Hard Knocks, and the main event was maybe Jose Lothario and Sean V. Cornette and Vader in a tag match. 
which would follow on from the SummerSlam match. But after what happened in the SummerSlam match, and Sean not really wanting to work with Vader, uh, so basically they had to choose between. We'll call it mind games, but they've chosen between Goldust and Mankin because Sean was working with both of those guys on house shows after he didn't want to work with Vader, and so obviously because they thought they were worried about what the heat would get, he yeah. would be for Goldust to get in that spot. They thought, fuck it, we'll go, we'll go with Mick Foley, which shows actually the faith they had in Foley because he had these big high profile wins over Undertaker and then gets this title shot against. Sean. Yeah, and it was a great match. Huh? It was, yeah. A really great match. It's the only match from Mingans I've actually seen. Yeah? Yeah. So, you know, going into I'll, everything else except that will be very fresh. I'll, I'll look forward to it when we finally get to that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's the next one, isn't it? That's yeah, the next one, yeah, because yeah. they'll say after it's the SummerSlam, then it's uh, Mingans, yeah, followed by yeah. Buried Alive. Oh, I'll, look, I'll look forward to that. Not so much Buried Alive, because I think that was a shit pay per view. Yeah. But Mind Games, you know. See, uh, I I've often wondered. I'll say Stone Cold would have the it would give me a platform to do the Austin three sixteen thing with uh, the uh, King of the Ring win. Mm. And you know, I don't think it's really it's hard to say whether or not he would have been the same guy he would he become if he didn't have that uh, that platform doing it. But I often think you know if he wasn't going to get pushed into the world title scene, even though they didn't specify you win King of the Ring, you're automatically the number one contender. But you know, you had Mabel and and Owen mm. used it as that. And I think. In a way, Brett was meant to get the title sooner than Mania 10 when he originally got King of the Ring, but Hogan being a bastard. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But like, and also, Triple H was meant to go into a feud with Sean after winning King of the Ring, but that never happened because Curtain Call and he gets the shit piled on him. And let's be honest, if that had happened, it'd basically have been Sean wrestling Sean. <laughs> basically, yeah. At the time. At the time, yeah. But then, so obviously, <coughs> Austin gets put in the position. So also, that's so to my fate, but they're not putting him in the world title scene. He's on the free for all, as I said, for SummerSlam. So if you have such faith in Vader and you want him to have this title run, why didn't you just have Vader win the tournament? Well, yeah. I don't know why you couldn't shift things around and have Vader there's win. Lo- there's lots of woulda, coulda, shouldas in that time period. A uh, hell of a lot, especially regarding Vader. Yeah. You know, because I remember seeing like on my tapes and mm-hmm. on some YouTube stuff, like mm-hmm. the promos they cut for Vader coming in. Mm-hmm. And they were really promoting this guy. as like, this guy's going to come in and fucking dominate. Yeah. And he... He dominated for about half a fucking year and only put him in a sort of lower mid card. Mm-hmm. I mean, for fuck's sake! At one of the pay per views, he was in a flag match tagging with a patriot. For fuck's sake! Mm-hmm. And sorry to say, but no, rest in peace and all. But fuck the patriot. The patriot sucked dick. <laughs> fucking the uncle slam and the patriot missile, and you're like, fuck oh. you, man. Ah, oh, I think that I just remembered there. Well, I was going to talk about it. So, also, the next night on Raw, they opened the show with the tag team title match, the Smoking Guns versus Sean. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, we're going to say uh, about that. And during the match, we get the, the debut of Farouk Hassad. Ah! Oh, okay, Farouk, okay, Ron Simmons, managed by Sonny, with his weird blue gladiator helmet, yeah, which he attacks. And he attacks Ahmed Johnson, but unfortunately, the planned IC title match between those two at SummerSlam gets cancelled because Ahmed got injured. As he was wanting to did do. He, did he sneeze? <laughs> I think so. Idiot. Uh, and so the ICL gets vacated, but they don't do they don't crown him at SummerSlam, they don't crown a new champion at fucking it's uh, mind games. I keep going to say it's time for some reason. No, the Raw after uh Mind Games, you had the tournament final <coughs> where Mark Camero wins the belt. Uh, I think from Triple H or and how long did he hold it for? Um about a month or so. About a month. But longer than Jeanette held it. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Jeanette never held it. Oh, I forgot. He, I forgot Jeanette held it. Well, that obviously means he held it longer than Jeanette held yeah. it. Then. Uh, Remember, Jeanette won it on a raw, like, thanks to Mister Perfect. Uh, like, 
Cornet talked about, you know, like, uh, Triple H is the one that takes it off of Mero and said, no, you know, it was only five months after curtain call. Like, I don't think he properly served his... Cornet didn't think Triple H properly got his punishment or yeah. anything. And he didn't really think... He started to think maybe his apologies that he was forced into the locker room weren't genuine. But maybe that's just because Cornet doesn't like Triple H. That's just his opinion. Yeah, Cornet, like, I've always thought Cornet is a very opinionated dude. But you know what? Mm-hmm. He's he's never struck me as a dishonest dude. Yeah, you can't you can't be that opinionated and be dishonest. You know what I mean? He's yeah. A, I mean, I remember I watched one uh, yesterday. I think it was, and it was Cornet. Funnily enough, talking about Ahmed Johnston, mm-hmm. and it was somebody asking Cornet the question like, "Why didn't Ahmed get a proper push? Why didn't he ever have the title? Was it a race thing?" And see, the minute Cornette was read that question, mm. he pissed himself laughing. <laughs> and he was like, no, it wasn't a fucking race thing. It was because he was a clumsy, dangerous idiot. Well, if, if he was around enough to not get fucking injured, like, he was meant to get a match against fucking Undertaker, uh, Canadian Stampede for the title, and he fucked his, inj- he fucked his yeah. leg up. But no, I literally, Cornette said, like, I he was injuring somebody or else he was injuring himself. fucking self. Uh-huh. Uh, and apparently the story goes after he had been released from WWF. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was supposed to go to something uh-huh. and got a normal car sent for him. Yeah, and threw up a big stink because he didn't get a chauffeur-driven limo. So the guy running the thing announced this fact that he wouldn't go because he didn't get a limo to the audience, mm-hmm. and gave the audience all his hotel room phone number. <laughs> Like, he went and waited and gave them all a paper and pencil so he could write it down. Mm-hmm. So we could call him <laughs> and see why he hadn't turned up and let them know how they felt about him not turning up. <laughs> and apparently Ahmed answered the phone all fucking night. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And apart, from what last I heard, Ahmed is now about four or five hundred fucking pounds now. Mm. He's a very fat man now. Yeah, so I just wanted to look up. I've actually not really, other than the Bodler and Brawl in the main event, I don't really know a lot about SummerSlam. So I'm going to read out the results here because we're not going to review it as part of this. We're going to, we're going to be doing. Uh, Why not? Because <laughs> the next one's in. Next one. Occasionally we do pay per views in between, but I don't want to do SummerSlam '96. Fine. We're, we're, we are going to do the Rumble '97. Fine, I'm get being childish. It. I know. Fine, Rumble '97 so, is cool because Brett gets sad. Anyway, we got we got Stone Cold defeating Yokozuna at least in a minute fifty-two. By the yeah, way, yeah, because fat ass falls off the rope. Uh, Owen Hart defeats Savio Vega in the opening match. That's good. Uh, Smoking Guns retain their tag titles in a four-way elimination match against the New Rockers, the Godwins, and the Body Dons. I forgot about the New Rockers. No, we ain't going to lose against those three, are we? Uh, Psycho Sid defeats the British Bulldog. Yay. for the best. Uh, Gerald Holler defeats Jake Roberts. So yay. The guy who slagged you for your alcoholism won. Yay. Uh, Goldust defeated Mark Meadow. So they Yay. were saying that for something. Uh, Mark Mankind defeats Undertaker in that Boiler Brawl, famously where uh, uh, Paul, Paul Bear turns heel. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shawn Michaels defeats uh, Vader with Jose Lothario and Jim Cornette in their respective corners after the whole the move and he's stomping on uh, Vader because he forgot to move out of the way. Making it obvious to everybody, even the cheat seats, that they didn't know something had went awry. Yeah. And uh, also there was an incident at a house show where Vader was seen crying after he got out of the ring and uh, Cornette famously talked about it. He's like, what happened? He's like, Sean said if he if I pulled his hair again, he'd have me fired. Sean's a dick. 
Mm-hmm. Seriously, I mean, really hot ass, but mm-hmm. what a dick. And he, he could be a real dick. How could you make Vader cry, man? Apparently, apparently Vader was like very soft for a big man. Like you could no, make him cry like on a whim. Apparently, I'd heard Vader was such a lovely, lovely <laughs> big. He was like a big teddy bear. No. And Sean made him fucking cry. Mm-hmm. I'm happy he's I went skelly and he found Jeebus. So I'm looking forward to uh, prick. I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, Mine is also you got the uh, the match between. Sean and, and Mankind look forward to. We also got another uh, Goldust uh, taking match called the Final Curtain Match. Yeah. No idea what the fuck that is. But, you know, uh, I'm just going to give you a preview. We're going to get another Caribbean strap match uh, between Savio Vega and Justin Hawk Bradshaw. I remember that one. I know who wins that one, too. And also, Owen Hart and Bulldog are finally going after the tag team titles against the Smoking Guns. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. Also, this is in a very... Uh, very wrestling city, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They're gonna You're be a mean motherfucker. You, he's, he's, it, he's talking to shy. You can see a poster of minions on my phone. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna be in Philly, which I believe there's a certain angle uh, with some, with the Philly crowd in that show. But we'll talk more about that next time. Uh, sometime next month, we'll do that. But that comes to the end of in your house, minions. Uh, uh, did I say about doing the yeah we're doing the two thumbs up one thumbs up one in the oh, middle oh you didn't one. say that but I'll, I'll yeah yeah I, forgot, I think we mentioned it in the Fraser we do that for the wrestling as well don't we two thumbs yeah, up yeah. one thumb up well, thumb in the t- middle uh, one thumb down two thumbs down I'm not sure if I'd go and give it two thumbs up but I'm definitely a definite one thumb oh, up oh yeah definite one yeah it's better I think I'll give it what I've gave one before I, I'd be tempted at one and a half as well yeah one and a half. because uh it's not different too because like there are like the man cave match isn't the best and everything then some matches and all like then there are a few like questionable spots in them. But like it's compared to what we've went been through before on the yeah, series. Compared to what we reviewed last for in your house, it's fucking solid. Yeah, compared to some previous you know, encounters we've had, uh, it's definitely quality is, is went up and I'm looking forward this is a period I'm really looking forward to because like you know, there were once or twice I had a bit of dread with some of the early ninety five ones. I know. What, I think we went through the worst of the in your house. And I think we're getting through a really good period. Yeah. We got through the Davy Boy ones. Yeah, I gotta say we've we've been through the worst of it, and now I think it's going to be plain sailing going we've forward. We've been through the worst of it, now we've got the rest of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've been through the worst of it. Now, the only way we can go from here is up. If you want me to speak in any more metaphors or any more hyperbole, or whatever. <laughs> so, well, yeah, one and a half, but you know. One and a half for In Your House, International. Let us know what you thought of it. On... Technically one and a half each. That's like three thumbs, man. That's, <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's three, not terrible. Three out of a possible four. <laughs> yeah. Three out of a possible four thumbs. Mm-hmm. There thumbs. You, go. you can't say better than that. Yeah, you could you could say four, thumb, four thumbs, but I won't. Yeah. But... Uh, so make sure you let us know what you thought of International Incident, what you think of Sean treatment of Vader and all sorts of other things. Do you think Ahmed Johnson was a clumsy pick or he should have, he have got a main title run? Let us know. <laughs> no, he should not have. Let us know on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash round podcast, uh, at SP Ram on Twitter. Treat the people at Rogue Pains, at Rogue Square Pains, even though they probably wouldn't know what we're talking about. Or, you know, get me at Scum McLean 1986. Uh, Stay tuned because we've got some stuff planned in the next couple weeks. We're going to have some impact stuff ahead of Bound for Glory at the end of the month. We're going to come back to Fraser. We're going to have a new but kind of Fraser spin off series we're planning on doing. I still think the name I gave you was good. We're working on the name. Uh, My name was good. 
But also, while I almost forgot, uh, remember end very end of the month, maybe last show of October, maybe first show of November, we should have it. But our an- our fourth year anniversary is coming up. Remember, we recorded our first episode on Halloween, uh, twenty seventeen. Released mm. it till the next day, so technically, very start of November is our anniversary. So our either last show of October, or first show of November should be something for the anniversary. But we're gonna have to plan what it's okay, gonna be. As a challenge on the on that anniversary show, I will spend the entire show balancing this lighter on my forehead. What's that gonna that, do? Uh, What's that gonna do for the listeners? Because they can't tell if it's. Oh, it'll be fun for me. Well, <laughs> we'll come up with something fun for the. Because uh, like you'll get last year, because like we we did we, the first year we had kind of a chat with <gasps> Craig and. We had a chat with Craig and then we did that weird watch along for uh, Fisher Crane's deal. Second year we just chatted and reviewed Mighty Python. We we could invite our good friend Craig back. We could. We could do. We could. We could do, we could do a couple of things. I remember we couldn't do anything for the third year anniversary because of bloody COVID. So I think I think that was the episode that we did uh, SummerSlam 92 and you were very unwell. Let's, let's get incredibly high. <laughs> And see what happens. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's get high. <laughs> like I said, we're thinking of many ideas. Okay, what okay. Do. Whatever idea you come up with, I'll get high anyway. <laughs> I'll get drunk. I'll happily get drunk. I don't know if I'm getting high. He'll be drunk. <laughs> I'll be on drugs. <laughs> be like old times. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, a lot of Your st- friend. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that means I'm a pregnant friend. Oh god. No, you're Bernard. I'll be the one on drunk. On drugs. <laughs> I'm drunk. You're you're Bernard. Or you your hair's looking more like Fran today though. Hey you cunt. <laughs> Someone has to be Fran, it's not gonna be me. Well, I'm always Bernard. Brian's obviously Manny. So you're either Fran or else you're the creepy guy from Lower Bookstore. I think I'd rather be him. He looks he's played by fucking Simon Pig. <laughs> uh, I'm not angry. Don't eat muffins when I'm evaluating you. Who is this rudderless hippie? How do I get away from him? Has he got a knife strapped to his shin? <laughs> but anyway, I think it's fair to say... I think it's fair to, Sorry. I think it's fair to say, Paul, we've got a lot of stuff to look forward to over the we next do. month or we so. We do. Yeah. So we're going to try and figure out some sort of schedule, what we're going to release stuff, what's going to be... You know when we're going to do the next phaser and stuff like that. We we could do it. We could do another. We could do another uh, contest. And if you was, you will watch Mister Nanny. I will not watch Mister Nanny. Why won't you watch it? It's one of the best films that he ever did. It's not saying much. It's Hulk fucking Hogan. Man. I know. The man had the acting range of a hot dog. <laughs> he looked like a hot. I know dog. because he looked like one. He looked like one. <laughs> well, we have clearly went from you know good. We well, I thought with some good analysis too. We've lost the fucking plot. Yeah. I think we should wrap this up. Do you not think? I think so. I think before it gets silly. Yes, not that right now. <laughs> it's getting silly. 